Hello everyone. <laughs> Take that out. Hello everyone. Welcome to Riot Act, the alternative <laughs> music podcast. With me, Stephen Hill, a man who has a mouthful of Marks and Spencer's chocolate orange tea cake mm, right now. My own heart. Mm, which I'm going to swallow before commencing this week's show in earnest. <laughs> here we go. Let's go. So uh, my good friend Renfrey Deadman is here with me, as he always is, about to bite into a tea cake. Don't do that. I, I'm stopping mm-hmm. because I know that that would be unprofessional. Yeah, you've seen the... Um, yeah, look at you sucking it like a baby sucking a Farley's <laughs> rusk. It's awful, awful, awful visual tableau. I'm quite, I'm quite desperate to eat it. So yeah, sure. Just get well, mate, are you all right? I'm very well. I'm right, good, eat your you. thing. Also, we have a guest with us as well. It's only bloody Matt Reynolds from Haggard Cat. Hello, hello, Matt. <laughs> hello there. Hello, I, buddy. my mouth doesn't have a tea cake in it. Mate, have one. This is why we got them because you're yeah, a guest. Well, this will be my third have... though. So I mean, hey, mate, don't worry. I'm post I bought tea cake. I bought sixteen. We only. I wouldn't feel welcome on the riot act podcast yeah we good. only, so, we so only bring two cakes and one with those guests so. how's your year been Matt? <laughs> oh, yeah good yeah i did that on purpose what do you think about brexit you want to talk about it i think this is poor yeah yeah me too <laughs> whatever you said yeah mr, oh, mr. reynolds god that keeps coming doesn't it <laughs> This is not good good podcasting, right. guys. Okay. It's not. But look, Matt's here throughout the whole show. He's going to be chatting. Just to say that um, we actually, we dragged you all the way down from Nottingham, didn't we, Matt? Oh, you did. And I've been driving for four hours. <laughs> four <Steve>. hours. <laughs> and under the pretense of what was going to happen is um, we're going to do a special at some point um, talking about The Wall by Pink Floyd. You're a big Pink Floyd fan, right? I absolutely adore Pink mm. Floyd. It's one of my favourite bands of all time. meant to be a secret, but we're, 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 <laughs> let, we're letting the cat out of the bag. Yeah. <laughs> the cat out of the bag? Oh, my God. Oh, thank Can you. I expect many more you of those know, today? Start, <laughs> it started unprofessionally, but we've clawed it yeah. right back. Oh, we're right back oh to semi-professional. Um, yeah, so we are going to be doing that, but like, I'm going to fess up. I'm moving out this week. I haven't had a chance to write thousands of pieces of notes about Roger Waters' complex relationship with Dave Gilmore. Um, so, uh, but that's coming in the future. Matt will be back for that. But Matt's here now this week, so we should enjoy that. We're going we're gonna to enjoy you. I've come, so I'm going to be on the <laughs> yeah. fucking so podcast. And you, fucking will, you, and you will listen, and you will have a fucking good time listening to him, all right? Yes. So um, before we kick on any further than that, we're part of Musicism, as you should know by by now. Go to musicism.net, that's music, I-S-U-M, dot net. Um, if you fancy yourself as a budding singer, songwriter, guitar player, a uh, producer du jour, Matt twiddling your whiskers there. Can you fancy yourself as a bit of uh, one of them? A bit of a, a bit of a guitar player, <laughs> a bit of a music writer and a bit of a... Music producer. <laughs> well, Matt, you can hone those skills like a motherfucker if you pay nine ninety nine a month. That's all it is. I, I, I'll cancel my Netflix. <laughs> yeah, you Netflix. should. You should cancel <laughs> your Netflix, and, and you still have two fifty to spare as well. Because you go to the checkout, you get twenty five percent off when you put in the code in capital letters Riot at the checkout. <whistles> you want to do that now, or are you going to wait until I'm, after the show? Going to do it. Later, right. We, well, we can pause the recording if you want to do it. Okay, now. I'll tell you what. If I don't get a, a parking ticket on my car from leaving it where you said I could, <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you then, can. Uh, I am signing up to music. <laughs> <Great. Okay. laughs> Amazing. So let, let's hope no traffic wardens are around. But um, anyway, this week we have got new albums from Bloodbath, Daughters, and Pine, and um, we've got. Oh, I don't want to. You can you say this bit because I'll only say the thing that. Jamie Lenman doesn't want me to say. 
So uh, yeah. we have the next edition of the world according to Jamie Ledman. I just really want to call it. Or... Oh, does he not like it when you call it the thing that Apparently you called not. it last time? Because <laughs> <laughs> I quite liked it. He'll, 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 uh, he, he mentions it a little bit towards the beginning, and he mentions a couple of uh, uh, different uh, iterations that we could call, could have called it, all of which are very good. Um, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, it, apparently, it's uh, become twat jail now, and uh, uh, twat jam. He's uh, twat jam. Twat jam. Twat jam. Oh, Sorry, dear. Jamie. I can't believe we've got you on the podcast, and you already mentioned twat jam. That is the absolute. <laughs> I feel very much like you almost gaslighted me into it. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, say something bad about someone that we really like. Go on. You've plied me with tea cake. <laughs> basically wrote the word down in front of me say it say it Matt do it uh, we need episode titles and I knew that that was the only way we could get one out of you so, um, wow but okay. anyway so yes. Jamie is back on and he's talking about Madness which is one of his favourite bands of all time mm. and it is absolutely brilliant first band I ever saw live in concert Madness. is that true yeah it is Mental. so I'm at the Birmingham International Centre in December 1995 cool supported by Supergrass oh wow imagine that was it good it was good yeah yeah Madness are quite a misunderstood band. I mean, Jamie will get into that later on, but they're quite a misunderstood band, I think. I think everyone thinks they're like baggy trousers. Yeah. But there's a lot more to Madness. Than yeah, that, there is. So, yeah, they've yeah. got a few um, They've got a few sombre moments. Mm. <clears throat> anyway, um, I should give a shout out to our Patreon. I know we keep saying we're going to do some stuff for the Patreon, but if you do go to patreon.com forward slash right act podcast, you can give us some money if you want to donate. And at some point, something's going to come. That Pink Floyd special will be one of them. The old wall, won't it? Yeah, that, you won't, that, you won't that's going to happen. We well, won't have to pay for it, but but you can. But yeah, yeah but you can. can. <laughs> you can feel like you have. You feel like you want. Yeah, to do you, you you feel like you'll be able to do that. Um. Anyway, uh, it's been a wild old week for live shows, Renfrey. Oh, just a bit. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, you went to two. I went to three. We went to one of the same ones. Mm-hmm. We saw Black Peaks, yeah, didn't we? Yeah, we did. At the Underworld. At the old Underworld. Yeah. Uh, you're um, familiar with the old Blackie Peaks, aren't you, Matt? Well, we uh, saw you with them about a week yeah, before. Yeah, yeah, good friends. That's true, friends. actually. Yeah, uh, I've yeah. toured with them in the past in yes. my old band. Mm-hmm. Yes. As, as, as I joined you for part of that tour. Yes, yeah, you did. Um, you came with you with the Europe bit, wasn't you? And yeah, that's you right. Came. There are lots of things that we can't talk about with that, though, so just oh. to be clear. Oh, really? Although, you, you know the bits I'm talking about. <laughs> um, but yes. Um, Renfrey sells crack. Remember that, everyone? <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. still selling crack. I'm glad that's becoming a running joke. Yeah. Um, um, but yes, it was Black Peak supported by Gold Key and Bosk. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You weren't there for Gold Key? I miss Gold Key. Yeah. Okay. Do you know what? Shame. I'll tell you a little peek behind the curtain of my life. My phone broke as I was walking out the door to leave, and I had to get my phone screen fixed. So I had to wait an hour to get my phone screen fixed. So I missed Gold Key because I was waiting to get my phone fixed. Lags will never forgive you, I don't think. Gold Key is basically the new. Well. Not new, newish. I don't want to call them a super group because that that word is tainted. But they are a super group, effectively, because they're made up of members of Gallows, Spycatcher, Nervous, and well, if you don't know, that'll do. Won't it? Okay. <clears throat> oh yeah, of course. Um, and but they don't sound like any of those bands. They're kind of. Um, it's quite a difficult sound to describe. They have quite a bit of Floyd to them. <laughs> yeah. Well, really. I think um, uh, the vocalist who used to be in Spycatcher. I think his name is um, has quite a Roger Waters kind of quality to him. I think that's the only 
Floyd. I don't know. Maybe yeah. There's a fl- there's Floydian there's thing. There's some kind of real progressive moments on that first album. That yeah. Kind of d- dissolved into this kind of soundscapey kind of thing that yeah. always reminds me a little bit of Pink Floyd. And it's a wicked record, actually. Do you know Hello Phantom? Yeah. Uh, Golki record. Mm. I, I think it's a really underrated record. Mm. Um, it was really really good. I know Paul, it was Paul Brannigan's album of the year last year. Was it? Yeah. It's a good record. A fucking legend. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, and they were great. They were the best I've ever seen them. Um, I think sometimes their sound is quite difficult to translate live, um, but they were absolutely brilliant at the Underworld. It's really nice to see the Underworld uh, supports at the Underworld where they have good sound. Everyone had good sound uh, that evening. I they did, yeah. Well, I mean, I, as I say, I only saw the first. I, yeah. I got in just as Bosk was starting, Okay. pretty much. Okay. Um, they're always like, I mean, I've... I've kind of lost count of the amount of times I've seen Bosk and they're not a band actually that I listen to that much on record I just tend to see them live and they are fucking amazing I I'm always think they're just a force of nature live like yeah. a hurricane yeah. like yeah. just crushing mm. absolutely crushing even the parts that aren't heavy feel heavy yeah. do you know what I mean yeah. like them, they, they, they exude menace and I love the fact that the singer uh, whose name I don't know kind of just intermittently will wander on and then just like belch up his soul yeah, and then, and then wander off, off again. again. It's yeah, like yeah, such yeah. a great, like you don't really see that very much. But. So there's very, very, very few vocals in Mosque. Like, yeah. It's like every third song almost. And yeah, he's he's just backstage like hanging out. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then when he has a bit coming up, he just wanders out and goes, and just absolutely screams the place down and then buggers off backstage again. Yeah. Cup of tea probably. Um, they're, they're a very uh, I don't want to say spiritual but almost like mystical band basically they probably do shit loads of drugs um, but they have like um, uh, bit of money on the side for you innit <laughs> exactly that's why I'm good mates <laughs> um, but um, like there was like burning incense and stuff like that which I yeah. thought actually had added quite a lot to it and um, I was watching them and I was sort of struck at one point you know the way that people talk but I did talk to briefly about this mm. at the show you know the way that people talk about Caius live? Yeah. I never got to see Caius. I saw Caius lives when that came back. It's, you know, not as close as we'll get, but not quite the same thing. But it's how I imagine Caius were, like, mm. back in 1995 at the borderline <coughs> or whichever, you know, only London well, The Underworld. They played, they played The Underworld, the underworld. They? Yeah. Okay. Maybe they played a couple of times. But, uh, but yeah, um, and, like, it. that's what it felt like to me. I do think Bosk, they're not doing they're not like a ripoff of Caius in any way shape or form but just the earthiness and the tones just remind me of what I imagine Caius would have been like mm. live mm. Um, which I mean I can't give them much more praise than that that's pretty like Caius are pretty much my favourite stoner band ever um, so and Bosk big, more to them just big words and they, and they don't really sound like Caius as well but I get what you say about the, the kind no. of the way they they it all kind of reverberates. Yeah, I don't want to give the impression that they are like Caius, but there's just, an, like I say, an earthiness and like something mm. in the bass tones or something like that, which reminds yeah. me of Caius. Um, I wouldn't even call Bosco Stoner Band. They're kind of more post-metal, really. Yeah. Um, but yeah, phenomenal. Yeah, so that phenomenal was band. that was very good. And then Black Peaks came on. Now we saw Black Peaks as we said, Matt, with you in uh-huh. Kingston a couple of weeks before at the Fighting Cox. At the Fighting Cox, which was good. That was good. Yeah, it's a good show. Okay, well, this is this is good because that's that means this this is good. That was good. <laughs> it was good. It was good. You guys, were, you were great, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys yeah, were yeah, great. Guys See, they were good. We were great. Is that, is that, <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm taking from this. Goodbye. Well, <laughs> yeah. 
Well, what I would say... Stick it, Will. What I would say is that Black Peaks' songs were not as particularly suited to that venue. The Fighting they, Cox, you're talking The Fighting about, Cox. Yeah. They're probably not even really particularly that well suited to the underworld. No, I agree. But the kind of step up in venue mm-hmm. and the step up in size and sound quality and mm-hmm. just yep. uh, like making it more of an actual show yep. at the underworld, it was fucking amazing yeah. to see. It was amazing I, to see that that band with now, I mean, obviously Statues is pretty much bulletproof anyway, but yeah. at this point, that set list is just so killer. Yeah. yeah. I was genuinely very tearful seeing them uh, sell out. I mean, they sold out the Underworld. <laughs> I, I, I mean, That's I did. I, <laughs> seeing them sell out the Underworld. <laughs> seeing right. them sell out. Seeing them sell oh, out the Underworld. was coming. Yeah. <laughs> sell out. I was very tearful <laughs> because I've seen... You know, I've seen Black Peaks play to ten people. You know, mm. I mean, in Europe, they're they're, they're, they're one of those bands that I think all three of us have probably watched, kind of from a very early yeah, stage, and kind of yeah. blossom mm. into yeah. this kind of venue selling out behemoth that they are now. And yeah. they're only going to keep growing with this, um, with all that divides kind of under the belt. Like yeah, this. yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you have you checked out all that divides yet? Over and over and over yeah, again. Fan of it, you like it? I, I love it. It's it's my it's my running album. It's got a real good pace for running, nice. and it's kind of got a real good like transition and journey to go on, and it just yeah. makes me run for longer because I want to hear the whole thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think I think the, the way that Steve's talking about um, the songs, the, the venue needing to be bigger to to showcase to accommodate. Songs, like I think I think is particularly true of the new material or the all that divides mm, material. Definitely, um, songs like Ether. They didn't play Ether at the Fighting Cox, but uh, no, they, they played at the Underworld. Yeah, it was amazing. Fucking glorious. Yeah. It was just brilliant. But um, I, and I think they will play bigger rooms because, you know, this sold out four months ago, I think, this show. Yeah. It was fucking ages it Sold ago. out a long time in advance. Um, so, you know, they probably could have done Scala, maybe. Yeah, Electric Ballroom. Mm-hmm. Maybe Ballroom, yeah. I mean, you know, like, I, w- I would be surprised. I reckon we'll go to Scala next and then Ballroom, but mm. I would be quite surprised if we don't see that happen on this cycle. Yeah. I, I fucking hope it does. Cause yeah, me too. deserve it. I think, yeah. yeah I, agreed, I would, agreed. They, they, re- they remind me, and it's an annoying, like, I mean, the clash of the night was fucking... Marmosette's playing around the corner yeah, with, with Jamie, Jamie Lemon, Jamie Lemon and, as well. and Black Peaks Brilliant. and Bosk. Do you know who, who booked that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> who yeah. fucking booked that? But yeah. they do. Black Peaks have, have got a bit of the the, the sort of the Marmosettes. Um, I think they're a very comparable couple of bands, Marmosettes and Black Peaks, with what's going on with them. I mean, I, I again, I really. I, know, not, so, I mean, you mean more music. like the trajectory of yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Of you're the not yeah, musically, yeah. Right, no, 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 okay, not musically. Yeah, yeah. But I think trajectory-wise, and what they've done with their albums, I think you could listen to the first Black Peaks album, you listen to the first Marmosets album, and you go wild, mm-hmm. like this shit is wild. Mm-hmm. And then both of them have really honed it into something uh, very different on the new album. But I think equally as good, and in a place where it should really see them stepping up to um and it already has been marmosets and that's why i think obviously black peaks are a little bit behind them in terms of where they are in their career but there's no reason by you know the third album for them that black peaks can't be where marmosets are now which is in the forum i would hope that would happen yeah Yeah, i'd really hope that would happen i think it's i think it's interesting with marmosets though because i have to confess i've only seen them once on uh the this cycle Mm -hmm. uh this album cycle and it wasn't a great 
show. Was that at Yulu? Yeah, Yulu. Yeah, mate, that was... An, 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 but yeah. I keep hearing that... I, I mean, I didn't hear great things from the forum either. So I don't really know what's going on with Marmosets as a live band. Uh, I don't. The forum's not always the greatest. It might. It might be I, that. I, I, I don't know. I, I wasn't there. I, I, yeah. And, no, I, I, I'm, this, I'm, this I wasn't is... there, and we don't know. But but I. I but keep, we're saying it anyway. Well, I'm keep. I'm keep <laughs> I keep. I keep. What I'm saying is, I keep hearing bad reports about them live as a live band. Okay. And from trustworthy um, sources. From lots of, from all sorts of people, okay. like like it's quite a regular. Yeah, I mean, I thing. thought you to me the Yulu show with Marmosets was a, a kind of a weird one-off because every time I've ever seen them before, they've been fucking amazing. Okay, and okay. then they played Yulu and it was not great. But yeah, well, that's the yeah. only time. And they played download. I mean, they were great on a main stage download. Yeah. They were oh, were they? Okay. Yeah. I've, I've, I've not seen them inside this year yet. I've seen, <coughs> only seen them on festival stages. Okay. All oh, the really? big festival stages, obviously. And they've, they've blown me away every time. Okay. Been. Maybe those but, reports are inaccurate or maybe this. But I, I, I keep hearing not great things about their live show. Mm. But um, yeah, we'll see. That's because the people you're talking to are on crack, right? <laughs> <laughs> Everyone I talk to is on crack. Yeah. Great right, places. as soon as they start hanging out with you, they are. Smacking <laughs> idiot. Um, anyway, uh, Renfrey, you and went I, to see Arcane Roots. I did, and I was very sad. Um, Arcane Roots is last, well, the last show that I will see from them anyway. Um, I went down to Bristol uh, and... They played a matinee show in a church uh-huh. called uh, Church of St. Thomas the Martyr. He was a martyr, apparently. Was he? Uh, I believe so. I think it's in the title. Uh-huh. Um, and, um, oh man, it was beautiful. Um, they did a sort of, I don't even want to call it stripped back. And it's not, I suppose it is a stripped back set, but acoustic set's certainly not right either. It's more of an electronic yeah. set. Um where they kind of re reevaluate their songs and redo them as a, a in in an electronic style, I suppose. And I, I at first I was a bit kind of saddened that that was the last time I was going to see Arcane Roots because it wasn't going to be the Arcane Roots that I'm familiar with and I know. But actually, it was a really beautiful way of um, seeing them sent off in a in a weird way, uh, and the atmosphere was amazing, like pin drop quiet in between songs and all this kind of thing and the sheer love and reverence that people have for that band people people were absolutely like like, there was just people crying like everywhere in that church like it was it was a really special amazing atmosphere and it just made me really angry as well because we don't have the infrastructure to support small bands with massive massive ideas and that's why bands like arcane roots split up effectively uh. we've had bad sign have just announced they're splitting up weirds just announced they're splitting up you know i mean the amount of small bands they're splitting up at the moment and it's just because there's i mean well I, we don't have to go fully into it but i'm sure that was part of part of the heck stuff you know uh-huh yeah it's a difficult there. time to um uh, it's, it's a difficult time to kind of be starting out as a band and to kind of be up and coming but i don't know it's probably going to be quite a controversial thing to say but we don't have to do it (laughs) you don't have to do it sure so it's like like if 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 it's in you and you really want to be making music then that's what you do yeah and then when it's 
when you can't be doing it anymore, that's why you stop, and that's why like, it's, but it's, it's be sad, a, obviously. It'd be I'm a not pretty saying miserable not place like, if we didn't have any, if we didn't have any music. <laughs> that, that's not what I'm know. saying at all, because like, obviously I am a musician yeah, <laughs> and I do yeah. make music. And but yeah, like um, I, I, it's it's more the um, uh, the reaction. It, it's more kind of behaving like a band deserved something that they didn't get. I, I don't really buy into that at all. I I think if it's I, somebody else talked. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, I, I kind of, I, I understand what you're saying. I mean, I do. We just understand. had to get you through that tea cake first. Yeah, right? I know. I've eaten the tea cake. Everyone has six left, so three each. Sure. Two each. Two each. Yeah. Three. Yeah. Sit. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm dropping you out, Renfrew. Um, uh, yeah. I, no, I kind of, I understand what you're saying because I do think you know there is, there is a lot of bands now. There are a lot of. There are a lot more bands than there, there used to be when I was growing up. And I would get annoyed at somebody like, say, uh, Earth Tone 9 not being mm-hmm. bigger. But then how many other bands of, the same, of a similar quality to Earth Tone 9 were there? There weren't really very many. And Earth Tone 9 had to rely on the press and they had to rely on what was cool or in the scene around them. I feel, like, I feel like bands then, there weren't as many of them and a lot of them did get a harder deal. I think now the standard is much better. But like the standard is so much better that... Are Arcane Roots better than Black Peaks? Not for me. Are they better than Marmosets? Not for me. That I, I'm talking about having infrastructure to bring people's ideas to life. Mm. So mm. Andrew is an enormously ambitious man. And um, like everything that they ever do, he's always like, it's only 10% of what we wanted to do. Yeah. Um, and let's not forget, Arcane Roots were technically on a major label. I mean, they're on Easy Life, which is through Sony. And, you know, I'm not suggesting that if you get onto a major label, then all your problems are sorted out or anything like that. But it's kind of... I, I, if people have... Like, I will tell you right now, Arcane Roots have way grander ambitions than Black Peaks ever had. Mm. Have had. Like, way But, grander. mate, you've got, a, you've got a crawl before you can run. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I mean, that's the thing is, like... You can't... It's one thing having all these big ideas and going, we, we want to have these big ideas and we want to do them now. And it's like, well, you know, you you don't... I'm sure Ramstein didn't yeah. like, have have big spunky shooting dildos when they were an unsigned band in East Germany back yeah, in like yeah, 1980 yeah. or whatever. You've got to like build up to that, unfortunately. But That's I just the way of the world. I don't know if a band would be... <clears throat> could we have another Ramstein now? I, I often think that about... support network. Like, stuff like, imagine Ramstein's first gigs. Imagine, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, imagine Slipknot's first gig. Imagine being that sound guy mm. and then walk... Like nine guys in masks walking onto yeah. a stage and you'd be like... Okay, I can never imagine them being a small band ever. Yeah, no. well, well apparently, I mean, apparently, Ramstein like would like attempt to set their crowd on fire and stuff like that. I don't. <laughs> well, know did they played the they played Finsbury True, Park yeah. Powerhouse in about nineteen ninety six ninety seven their first UK show, right. and at this point they were playing maybe not arenas, but cert- it might have been arenas, but they're playing big, big, big venues in right. in Europe, and they came to this like now defunct pub in Finsbury Park and they brought the full like Brixton Academy sized show oh, to play in a venue the size of like the borderline do you know what I mean yeah. it was from what I understand Till was walking up to the bar in a flaming jacket wow. from what I, I mean I remember the review in Kerrang gave it two out of five in Kerrang really yeah <laughs> Ramstein used to get so much shit from people they did like before in this country yeah yeah before yeah. Mutter um, yeah. they were kind of seen as a joke mm. I think 
Um, but it's like Man of War sort of. Yeah, like, well, yeah. That, the cover for their debut album probably doesn't help, where they're no. kind of like on the front, all oiled up, looking very, very <laughs> German. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, yeah, it was. I think I think Mutter like shut people up in this country. I think they were always quite a big deal in Europe. Oh yeah, yeah, they were massive in Europe. Yeah, of course, yeah, they were massive in Europe. But yeah, this country didn't get them for quite a while. Mm. Quite an interesting reversal because it's usually the UK who gets stuff because we're the best. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't think that. I think Speaking that. of UK. <laughs> Speaking of the UK being the best, I went to see Carpenter Brute. Yes. At the forum on Monday. And Carpenter Brute was saying that he feels that make I've interviewed him beforehand and he was saying he feels like um if you make it big in England then, you know, that's where all the good stuff comes from. So it was really he was really? saying how important it was to him to, to to make it in England. And he's French, isn't he? He's French, yeah. And historically we don't have a great relationship with the French, so mm. that's a nice Fair uh, play to him, yeah. Play. Yeah, yeah. And I have to say, I was Less familiar with Carpenter Brute than I am with Perturbator. I'm a big, big fan of Perturbator. Um, but Carpenter Brute seemed a little bit more... Um, a little bit sillier. To, not silly, but a little, a bit, a bit more tongue-in-cheek, I always thought Carpenter Brute was. I have to say, I thought the show was fucking amazing. Wicked. It was so brilliant. Like, it's so, it's so knowing and tell... Like, you know, it's funny. Like, the, the music is... Full throttle neon eighties electro throbbing synth like heavy like power metal meets like the Miami Vice soundtrack. It's it's <laughs> fucking nuts, right? And then they make all their own visuals. So you, I, you know, it's just a guy playing a keyboard, a drummer, and a guitarist. There's not a load to look at on the stage, but they've got this screen behind them, and they've made all these kind of eighties like slasher movie and 80 like Mad Max style stuff and like all these all these posters of this this band um I can't remember what they're called but the guy like the sort of the, the Eddie of um Carpenter Brute is like it's called Leather Teeth and they right. yeah 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 and um <clears throat> and they have all these posters from like 80s sort of metal nights and stuff with yeah. them playing like with this band playing on like their poster to them on the front of like Kerrang but it's not called Kerrang it's called Kerrang or something like do you know what I mean and they've changed yeah. it on it but they, they've made all of it themselves they made these kind of like 80s videos and it was just fucking awesome it was what, fucking uh, awesome what venue was it at the forum nice cool okay um so they're playing quite so 2000 cap they're playing quite big places yeah it wasn't i mean it wasn't sold out it wasn't quite sold okay. out it was probably about it looked full downstairs but it's kind of half full on the balcony okay well, it's still probably but 1500 like tickets, yeah. yeah i mean yeah. very respectable for they're the for, biggest very, of this kind of new way they are yeah of, like he's kind of the main yeah. the main one i think i mean i on record i would still plump for perturbator i have to say okay. but yeah it was it was really really good do you have any thoughts on this new wave thing that? Yeah, do you know anything be... about that, Matt? I, I, it's it's the first I've heard of. Uh, I've, I've heard really? of Carpenter Brute, um, okay. but yeah, I've not I've not actually checked them out yet. I'd... It just seems to be taking for some reason like it's not metal at all, but it seems to be taking. <laughs> but it's taking <laughs> it's taking over. Like the the metal crowd are really. It's kind of like to part, the alternative scene are really kind of. Very much embracing so. that. Very much. I mean, like you know, publications like Metal Hammer and stuff like that are really. I mean, and it makes sense because there's a darkness to it. You know, there's okay. a real kind of dark vibe to it. But um, yeah, it's just an interesting. It's aesthetically, thing. it's so metal. Yeah, yeah, yeah aesthetically. Like yeah, when when you yeah. when you watch that show, it's a fucking metal show. Yeah, like yeah, honestly, yeah, yeah. like a 
big bombastic over the top 80s metal show and like i thought like beautifully knowing as well like massively tongue-in-cheek really really knowing really fun like there were points where you would look at the screen and it was genuinely funny like right, you were going okay. like they're they're doing that thing from like an 80s slasher film and it's all like absurdly over the top like like brilliantly brilliantly over the top it was great it was really really great yeah yeah i mean i'm not i'm not saying that as a negative thing i'm just saying it's an interesting thing that they're they're kind of bringing yeah yeah they're they're attracting that crowd yeah it is um when it isn't strictly Mm. but he's like a real he's like you know i'm a a metal guy i'm a metal fan like completely i can see that uh and then last night now we might be here a while for this yeah do you know about last night do you know where uh, Matt was, uh, uh, where Steve was last night? <laughs> where were you last night? I was at the O2 watching U2. Oh. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> now, <clears throat> U2, right? Now, this is where I think <laughs> we differ from many of our peers, shall we say, Renfrey. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think many of our peers would review U2 uh, no. or talk about U2 in any kind of... Or admit... Uh, well <laughs> here we go because <clears throat> when I was growing up you two are my favourite band but up to the age of about 12 Matt's bef- just dropped the mic before <laughs> before um, uh, getting into like alternative rock I loved you two I saw Rattle and Hum the movie Rattle and Hum I was like this is fucking brilliant this is really like obviously being young I was like the earnestness of it in songs like Sunday Bloody Sunday felt really real to me mm-hmm. and that was one of the first times I properly connected with a band in that way mm-hmm. so I really really loved you 2 I am aware that over the last what are we talking now 20 years and for some people more than 20 years I, yeah I would say more but yeah go on yeah. that you 2 have become quite a divisive a band to, to scoff at Right, I understand that that is a criticism that people have. I understand why people feel um, so negatively towards Bono in particular. I understand that I can see why those things exist. But I'm telling you, last week we spoke about the Smashing Pumpkins and the ego of Billy Corgan and how out of control the ego of Billy Corgan was to the point where it didn't even feel like he was watching a band. You two are a band. And Bono does not and does not even try and overshadow that. For okay. everything I saw last night of U2, which I've got to say is one of the most spectacular shows I have ever seen in my entire life. Wow. It was absolutely, unbelievably spectacular. Like the stage was stunning and really, like, there were bits where I was like, if Ramstein did this, we'd all be losing our shit. Like, it just looked so fucking cool. Like, they had a stage, they had the stage at one end, then a massive ramp going through the middle, and then a little stage at the other end of the the arena, right? Mm -hmm. And it started with, I have to say, quite a fairly pompous video of loads of war and, you know, like, basically a sort of history of war and Charlie Chaplin's massively overused speech from The Great Dictator. What is it with that speech being used? everyone and his dog has used that speech. I mean, it's a wonderful speech, but I am getting a bit sick of hearing it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So it wasn't great. But then, what there was is in, in in the ramp in the middle, there were screens either side of it. And the screens started lifting up. And then the band started playing and we were like, where are they? Like, they're not actually here. 
and then they were silhouetting from the, they were inside the screen. What? Yeah, it was absolutely amazing. Like so, they were all four of them lined up in the middle of the arena, above everyone's heads, inside the screen, and then it kind of cut, and you were like, they're in this big cage, like suspended above the people, and then the cage sort of opened up and brought them down. And then it lifted up to like, so it was like a ramp and Bono walked up like he was walking up a mountain. And yeah, yeah. and like, and I have to like, you know, it was a really, really unbelievably spectacular open. And I have to say, you know, I haven't listened to any new U2 albums for about 15 years, right? I haven't really bothered to be yeah. perfectly honest. Yeah. The song they started with, I don't actually know what it was, but um, was really good. There was a second one, which was a new one, which wasn't so good. But then... We went into a run where they played I Will Follow, yes, which is fucking was fucking amazing. Gloria, which is mm-hmm. fucking amazing. Beautiful Day, which cheesy as fuck, but massively anthemic. And then they didn't play it right. So in the whole set, they did not play a single song from the Joshua Tree. What? Their biggest album, and they didn't play a single song from it right. No Weather Without You. Nope. No Streets With No Name. name. No. Nope. Uh, Bullet the Blue Sky okay. in God's Country. Um, yeah. Uh, the, it was, I was like. But then they did do uh, the Joshua Tree shows last year, mm. right? So, okay. I mean, yeah. that kind of makes sense. It's a pretty but bold the, move still, though. That's it's still a, bold, though. Yeah, it's yeah. a bold that's, move. That's, that's like Metallica not doing anything from the Black Album. It is exactly like that. But what they did do, Renfrey, and that. this is where shit gets. This is where this, <laughs> this is where shit gets interesting because you know we said before I wanted Bono to come on this podcast and you know what I wanted to talk about. I wanted to talk about the period where you two, I would say, for my money, are you about to spunk this because someone might nick this idea? No, 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 no. I'm not going to. Okay. But well, they're not going to because <laughs> they they couldn't, frankly. And um, <laughs> no one who listens to this could do that interview. Uh, there, there is the period that I want to talk about. For me, one of the most interesting periods in the history of a big band. Mm-hmm. U2, after becoming this massive band on the Joshua Tree, go to Berlin and lose their fucking mind. Yeah. Right? Now, no one ever really talks about the, the Acton Baby or Zuropa anymore. Mm-hmm. It's kind of been airbrushed away and put mm-hmm. away in history. Now, for me, it is, especially years and years and years later, being the sort of, journalist and person that I am I want to talk about the fucking weird period where yeah. you were the biggest band in the world and you went and made this kraut rocky Berlin inspired sort of like fucking mad electronic album and then started hanging cars over the and you developed an alter ego like what the fuck well, was the, going on the reason on? it's interesting is because the, the perception is that you two are boring they're kind yeah. of like you know the, the people who uh, you know know you two know Coldplay kind of thing now you, most of their material in the last 20 25 years is and I mean I like the 80s stuff uh, and I know you do but I can understand why some people would think that that was boring yeah. okay? but no one ever but talks about Zupra and Actung Baby and that Zoo TV stuff and all that that live show I don't know how much you know about the live show around that time Matt uh, no, no this no. was when he was so um, you, uh, Bono would like call the president of the and call the Salman people. Rushdie on stage Salman Rushdie in... on stage and <laughs> shit like this but basically what has happened to you two like you say over the last 15 years is they have gone back to being a we... sort of bog standard dad rock dad rock band uh-huh. yeah. last night 
he said, oh, we've had this amazing career where we've been so blessed to have been through so many things where we've played in London and Manchester and Prague and Lisbon and Berlin. And then they started playing Zoo Station, the first song oh. of Acton Baby, which began a run of six songs oh. from Acton Baby, one song from Zuropa, also Hold Me Through and We Kiss Me Kill Me from the Batman <gasps> soundtrack. Right? What a <laughs> tune! All back to back with Bono, like, going back to being... Fucking weird dude that he was in the nineties, and I was like, I haven't seen. I've seen you two once before, and it was in two thousand and two, right? Yeah. Which I just managed to like blag a ticket from someone, and and I've not really thought about going to see them since because it's been a bit like, oh, oh it's all gone a bit wrong. Mm. But um, but I had this mad U two phase in the summer, and I was like, my god, they're fucking incredible. Those first seven albums are incredible yeah. and Acton Baby and Zuropa are the mental jewel in the crown of this that, that has just been airbrushed out of history and for the, me to go and see them and them to play it make up the majority of their set fucking even better than the real thing Acrobat Stay Far Away So Close The Fly Zoo um, uh, Zoo Station and One they played as well nice. like what and and they put in um, elevation and um, vertigo in the middle of it as well. They okay. came out all dressed in like circus outfit, and then Bono started doing <laughs> the fucking McFesto thing. Yeah, so uh, so back in the Zoo TV days, he would dress up as a like devil. a devil in a lame gold suit, right? Okay. Right, with face okay. paint on, like the Joker, and put on like little devil horns, and he'd phone Salman Rushdie up live on stage. Like a fucking, you're the biggest rock star in the world. What are you doing? And he even he even referenced it. He even went because he was because the whole thing is called the Age of Innocence tour, right? right? And it's meant to be about how you two like. So they played the early stuff early on, and it's yeah. meant to be like this was our journey as as men, as people. Okay. We're trying to find our Age of Innocence again. I think that's kind of what it was. It's like mm. about trying to look like back and go, sick, yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're trying to look back and th- not think of ourselves as rock stars. We're trying to think about what we were when we first started as a band and what, like, when he did I Will Follow, he said, We're a band from Dublin called U2. We used to be called, um, ah, oh, fuck, I can't remember what they used to be called. We used to be called This. This is our new single. And they played I Will Follow, which is obviously their first ever single. Right, right, right. right. And so it was meant to be like, Oh, this is our kind of journey through. And they focused so heavily on this thing, which I thought had just been completely airbrushed from history. And then he started dressing, and then he dressed up as a devil, and he said, you know, like, this was the period where we went to Berlin, and my and you start thinking you're better than nurses and doctors and firemen and teachers, and you start thinking you're more interested, and you start believing your own hype. And then your big brother comes along and says, you're nothing special, you're just Paul, you're just Paul, my little brother. And he said, I'm not, I'm Bono, and that's Sir Adam Clayton, and that's Larry Mullen Jr., and that's the fucking Edge. And then he put the fucking... McFesto shit on and it was like he was reliving <laughs> this mad egomaniacal trip thing and he sp- and he it was, it was actually amazing like he had this camera this sort of video camera that he would pull up to his face and the clown makeup and there was a big two big screens and the clown makeup would go over his face and he started going it's me again McFesto I'm back and I was like oh shit he's not done this <laughs> For like 20 years and he's brought it back when I come. What are the fucking chances? <laughs> and he, and then he, he basically went, I, I got Trump elected. I made Brexit happen. I did this. I did that. I'm an evil bastard. And then 
yeah, it was. And then he did a couple of acoustic songs, and then he played Pride in the Name of Love, New Year's Day. And it got a bit cheesy when they played New Year's Day and he started saying, thank you, London, you're still a great European city and the European Union flag came down behind him mm-hmm. but, and it had all the okay. stars and one of the stars was the Union Jack and it had a heart around it and I was a bit like, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but, but um, so, yeah, so, you know, but you've got to expect that. But overall, I have to say, I have to say, it was fucking brilliant. Were they good were, they uh, were great yeah there was like energy in it there was there was energy like and men playing no there wasn't i mean bono still looks exactly the same. They, they all still look exactly the same i've got to say as a rhythm section larry Mullen jr is a, a brilliant drummer a brilliant brilliant unfussy drummer like yeah. really really underrated i think people say the same sort of thing about phil rudd like he he's got a little bit more of a flourish to him than, than phil rudd but when you think like they didn't you think of that like opening dun, 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 dun. That like Sunday Bloody Sunday and how the guitar goes out and people like sort of they take the piss out of the edge because you know he just has a load of pedals and he just sort of hits one note but yeah. it's a very unique sound it's easy to play but he came up with it so fuck it he came up with it yeah. and those he, he certainly he certainly made it a big mm. thing I, yeah I, I don't know if you'd say he was the originator of delayed no 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 but he you know delayed, and yeah, it's his it's his style it, yeah. and um and uh, Bono has got an amazing voice. And the man for me, like, I love Adam Clayton. Adam mm-hmm. Clayton's bass tone and the bass lines is like, listen to the bass line on New Year's Day. Like, it's fucking brilliant. And they were really, really tight, obviously, as you would expect from the yeah, biggest band. I mean, so, you know, yeah. I think you take the Rolling Stones out of the equation. They are the biggest touring rock band in the world. They probably make the most money, certainly. Yeah, I mean, I can't think of it. I would say, I would say, the Stones are bigger than them. The Stones are the only band I can think of that you go legitimate and you go, they're bigger than you two. Mm. And for you two to feel, to you know, like I, I thought, I mean, you know, most places you go, oh god, we're playing the O2. For them, it's like, oh, what? We're only just playing. There's only twenty thousand people here. Like usually, it's like yeah. eighty thousand people. You'd be like, oh, like, you know, it's like a club show, isn't it? It's like a club show. You've thought many times, Matt. I'm sure. It's like an intimate, intimate venue. Bed for more than thirty k. Yeah, but but you two were fucking great. And like I said, it was not an ego. Like compared with Billy Corgan last week. Uh, Bono came across really well, wow, and well, and they did Ooh. feel like a band. He kept going, Adam Clayton, Adam Clayton, Adam Clayton on the bass, Larry Mullen Jr., Larry Mullen Jr., Larry Mullen, and he kept like you know hugging probably the probably because the, the two edge. people that no one knows who they are. <laughs> yeah, and, well, and the edge as well. The edge, yeah. Yeah, the, and, yeah, but yeah. they they always felt like a band to me. Yeah. Yeah, and they're four very and you unique. Definitely could not say that of the Smashing Pumpkins. No, and they're ve- you know they've all got their own unique personalities, and they're all very very good. And they played some stuff which I did not expect them to play, which I absolutely loved. And when I think like they did play anything from the Joshua pre acting baby, they only played. There was only four songs they played: Gloria, um, I Will Follow, Pride in the Name of Love, New Year's Day. They, they're the only four Sunday songs. You what? They didn't do Sunday. Didn't Bloody do Sunday Bloody Sunday. Sunday. Not me. So didn't do bad. Didn't do Unforgettable Fire. Didn't do, I mean, you know, you could go on. There's yeah. a lot of things they didn't play. Didn't play Desire. Um, and and even some of the new songs sounded quite good as okay. well. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so I, it was... I, I'm stunned. I mean, I, I, did, I didn't expect you to love it to this degree. I don't think you expected to love it to this degree. i got to be honest, I didn't, no. No, okay. It was brilliant. Matt's been sitting here very quietly. Matt, you uh, hate you too, clearly. Oh, uh, well, no, I... <laughs> 
I, 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 I think it's possible to not really have an opinion on them. No, right, I, okay. don't, I, yeah. I don't think I do. Yeah. Um, mm. Like, you know what? I, you, a few of the songs that you're saying as well, they are absolute bangers. Like, um, like Cheesy As It Is But Beautiful Day is a banger. Yeah, um, it's a great song. Yeah. Elevation's a banger. And then, <laughs> and, yeah, yeah, and that's the point where, and that's the point to me where they get quite boring. Mm. Yeah. By that point, that's when I'm going, oh. I liked you know, it when they were coming know, out of lemons and dressing like fucking, you know, bits of we've, we've plasticine. Both, <laughs> we've, we've done both eating it. Like, oh, fucking, I'm going to have one of these both eating at the same time. But way. anyway, look, it was, it, was, it was fucking great. And particularly hearing a song like Stay Far Away So Close, Who's Gonna Ride Your Wild Horses? Like, for me, that, that was, like, super special because I think that period, that period is so interesting. That period might be... When people talk about the change that the Beatles went through on Sgt. Pepper's and the, the, like, I honestly think there's, you know, that's obviously the big change of a band ever. But in terms of a huge band, I mean, that change from, you know, Stetson wearing super boring looking austere, you know, Americana rockers on the Joshua Tree to whatever the fuck they were on Acting it's, Baby it's is massive. It's certainly a fly, that period is certainly a fly in the ointment for people who say you two are boring. Yeah. Always have been boring because believe me, Matt, you may not like that. I'm what not you saying you've, you've um, seen it or heard it, but like you may not, if you saw that Zoo TV performance, you might not like it, but you wouldn't be bored well, this, by this it. This is definitely <laughs> research for me like, it's a car after, crash. after the show. Like. Well, to be honest, actually, it starts really well and then it ends yeah. like a car crash. But... Listen to the song Numb off Zeropa. Okay. Mm, mm. And kind of... you will not believe it's you too. You, <laughs> I, I played it and I said to someone, I'll give you a hundred guesses of who this band are. Mm, mm. And they were like, well, they, they did like maybe 12, 13 guesses. And I was like, it's you too. And they went, I wouldn't have got it in a hundred. It was a very interesting period, certainly. Yeah. Um, so yeah wow okay well I mean we've lost a few a thousand we've lost years. a few people but you know <laughs> I've kind of fuck been you. sat here in awe like yeah. you've just managed to sit here for 10-15 minutes and sell you two to me mm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean I, now what I want to I, now to I wanna yeah. go I want to fuck see, you yeah, you it. like I, all that remains if you're listening like you know <laughs> don't step to me when you like a mure Tell me that I shouldn't point. like you too. It's a very valid point. Yeah. Mm. Wow. Cool. Well, well done, Bono, and uh, the Edge, and the other two. The other one is fine. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Right. Okay. Fine. Um, let's just uh, chat about. There's been some news. <laughs> oh God, there's been some fucking news. Yeah. But before we get to that. Noel Gallagher said his new album will have a 70s disco feel. <laughs> he told the NME, there's only so many times you can write a song about the rain or use the word shine, and I've got away with it a fucking shitload. He's going to be collaborating with David Byrne. Is he? Wow. Yeah. Which, pff, okay. Um, Matt, Noel Gallagher, having just talked about one dad rock <laughs> staple... You know what? I, I actually have a little bit of time for Noel Gallagher. I think he's an incredible songwriter. I re- I, I enjoy quite a lot of his songs. Mm. Like, I, I I do think there's a lot of Oasis that's great, and a lot of people yeah. kind of um, kind of just scoff at because oh, it's Oasis, it's dad rock. This, you, that, you, know, you would have grown up with the Oasis versus Blur a- stuff a- and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, I mean Blur were the better band. Yeah. Oh, undoubtedly. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I, I've got a lot of time for Oasis, and um, the reason I laugh so much at that. <laughs> no, no Gallagher's dis- disco 70s disco 70s yeah disco was him doing a BG staying is, alive it, 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 
It's because that's just a genuinely funny image. Is anyone <laughs> at that age yeah. thinking that that's the right thing to do? Like, do you remember that? Um, do you remember that Nickelback song? The way when Nickelback for one track went gloriously seventies disco. It's called something like uh, Cherry Cola or something like that. And he's he's doing this kind of disco rap thing in it, and he's still got his very kind of plastic face, and it's just it's it's an absolute car crash, and it's the stuff of nightmares. <laughs> But what their entire career, or just a well, hey, 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 now <laughs> lay off the Nickelback. Yeah, um, oh, mate. That's, that's what I picture is that exact thing, and it is hilarious. That's yeah. just really funny. I mean, I can't imagine it's a direction that he's going to continue to pursue for like twenty years. No, I think he's off his fucking rocker. To be perfectly honest, having someone playing the scissors last time, been... like he's 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 he does a thing that he does, Noel Gallagher. Yeah. Yeah. And he shouldn't really be. I think we said it before. Like when you know when he sort of, ah, they need to get get Oasis back together or just go away. Like I just yeah. don't think there's any yeah. room for like what they're. You they remind you say, but high flying, high F and Bs uh, sell out. Um, yeah, they do, but they're not they? very good, Renfrey. That's no, they're not, they're not good. Half you know. their, I've not been to say. It, but I imagine half their set is Oasis tracks. Does yeah, they do right. a fair few. Like, and they're, 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 okay. well, I bet they do. Don't look back in anger to close. They couldn't not. Like, yeah. And You've got the, the problem with like Liam and Noel Gallagher is you've got Liam going solo and just doing like rubbish versions of what he's already uh-huh. done. And you've got Noel doing a kind of not particularly interesting, but just quite boring, different type of music. Mm. And you think if you went away and you actually. It's not like Peter Gabriel leaving Genesis or something. Do you know what I mean? It's not like somebody actually going away and going, We're gonna, I'm going to do something completely different. Like they're just doing kind of. It's like. When out the driving split up, and I, I, I love Mars Volta, admittedly, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. half of them went to Sparta, and you were like, well, "This is just I can't yeah. believe it's not Fugazi." <laughs> and then, the other, and then the other half did the Mars Volta, and it was like, "Bloody hell, this is hard work. Like it's great, mm-hmm. but you know, for a lot of people, yeah. it's hard work." When you put those two things together, it becomes something really, really special. Mm. And I think when you have the two Gallagher brothers together, you have something really, really special. When well, you have them apart. Well, no, no, you do. Like, that's not fair to say that you don't have something... Fo- well, okay, you have something for, far for, more interesting. For two records, you had something very special. Yeah. And then you had about 15 years of utter cack. Yeah, but if you saw Oasis live, you, 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 I mean, an Oasis greatest hit set would be fucking... Is, would It'd be, be good yeah, fun. Yeah. I'd rather see it on my own without the billions of twats that would inevitably yeah. be Well, you can't have that, Renfrew. <laughs> but I can't have that, so, <laughs> yeah. so I'm not bothered either if way. If Oasis reform, <laughs> they're unlikely to play your flat. <laughs> I want. Uh, um, okay. No, I yeah, I I I I I became disinterested in Oasis from like 97 pretty much. Um they became a singles band mm. and no one even admitted this at one point. Like yeah. probably high on coke or something, probably coke that I supplied him. Um he uh talked about he was like we we just write, you know, we write two or three amazing songs per album and then we just do cack to fill out the rest of the album <laughs> he said that mm. and it's totally true and that was the rest of oasis's career yeah it's true so you know i mean i imagine that i imagine they probably will reform one day um but it's just going to be like most most other reformations isn't it yeah i would have thought and i don't think it'll be all that special and you know, I mean, both of the even Liam Gallagher uh, is doing. He's doing pretty big dates off the yeah, back. Yeah, doing this the Ali Pali album. and stuff. Yeah. So you know, it's not like they need to. No, they don't need to. But I mean, it would be huge, wouldn't it? 
Yeah, yeah. It would be far bigger. It would be far bigger than what. Oh, of course, of course it was. Of course it would. It'll be Wembley. Anyway, I'm not talking about this anymore. Shut up. Download. You've lost fucking viewers. Yeah, viewers. It was all our zero viewers. I can't hold it in anymore, Renfrey. Download. Have. You can't hold your tool in anymore. Have first announcement of a group of bands playing the Download Festival. We were going to do a kind of festival review show where we got all the lineups of all the festivals together once they'd announced their bands but we've kind of been announcing a few as they go and i have to say this announcement is a pretty big deal (laughs) so let's go through them one by one (laughs) so we'll get to the headliners at the end okay Seems only fair, doesn't it? Well, you want want to build up to the orgasm, don't you? So, Um, who's playing? Well, Slash and Miles Kennedy and the Co-Conspirators are playing. Matt, go, Slash. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I I love Slash. I appreciate his I think he's an amazing guitar player. Yeah, 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 yeah. I appreciate his solo material is fine. I don't think I've been to a download that he's not been at in the last, like... Five, six, seven years. He loves it, yeah. He's always there. He's always there. It's not a bad booking, though, is it? It's just not a bad booking. Oh, all the sort of people that go to download will love it. Yeah. Like, I'm not, it's not for me, but whatever. Uh, White Snake. They haven't played since 2009. Okay. Um, Is it Coverdale? Yeah. All right. White Snake and their song. They're bringing their song. Can't wait to hear it. They're bringing their song to download. Uh, So that'll be good. Rob Zombie's playing as well. Is he? Yeah, Rob Zombie. Dusted him off again. Again, Rob Zombie's playing. He'll have a new album, will he? Yeah, I would have thought so. Yeah. I mean, again, always good live. I mean, yeah. Uh, The people that... A Rob Zombie greatest hit set is It's great. Yeah, really good. And the people that go to download, they like that sort of thing. Uh, Trivium, who seem to be pretty fucking high up on the bill. Oh, yeah. I'm quite excited about Trivium. Oh, yeah. You should be. Because they were fucking outrageously brilliant at Brixton Academy earlier this year. Okay. The new album is amazing. And it's good to see them. Their name is in font again. Oh, they've the, got the logo. Yeah. They've yeah. got a logo. They've got a logo. Oh, okay. Which I, either means they're Comedy going to be headlining logo. the second stage or they're going to be very high up on the main stage. Uh, that's quite think, a surprise. That's, I mean, you yeah, know, I, I think I'm maybe really sub a fan, but fair play, that's good. I think maybe they? sub-headlining is too much for them at, at this point. Yeah. But third up is represents uh, quite a return to form for Trivium. And, and I have to say, I think it's well-deserved. Okay, fair play. Fair play. Matt? Uh, I, I agree. I, I, th- I think the, um, the material that they've been releasing over the last couple of years that when things have come out it's been amazing it's been like a return to form yeah like, and they've had some stinkers yeah like uh, ascendancy kind of went past and then they just forgot how to be trivium it's and ascendancy and silence in the snow are considered the stinkers is it Isn't no it? ascendancy is oh, like ascendancy. the absolute classic so, sorry 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 ascendancy i mean what was the sorry the crusade the, the, the crusade no 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 i mean the, the record they did with draymond oh um oh. vengeance falls sorry yeah sorry i didn't mean ascendancy at all and, um, um yes and the crusade, I, I, I mean i kind of lose track around that sort of area of trivia. Yeah, it's not good. Yeah. It's not good, those ones. There was a, an album called Shogun. Shogun's well. brilliant. Is that really good? Yeah, Shogun's fucking awesome. Mm. Okay. You want to go back to that, mate? You like that. That's got a lot of like... <laughs> very, you, you like you, that. You, you, would, <laughs> you would. You would, though. Okay. It's their most complex record. Okay, cool. That Matt, sounds great. Matt loves complexity. Is this their, yeah. uh, their Unjustice for All? It kind of is, yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. okay. Kind of Into is. it. Into it. 
Um, which well, is what's the new, I, I have not I confess I have not heard the new trivium album. What's it called? It's called The Sin and the Sentencer. Oh, that one, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And it's really fucking good. It's a really brilliant mixture of all the things that they do. I think it's great, and they were really, really great on the last tour. It sold out. It was a real good, like, feel good thing. So, oh, yeah, fucking fair play to Trivium. Big up them chaps. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Amon Marth. Mm hmm. Uh huh. Yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> cool. Be, I'm, I like Amon Marth. Amon Marth. A, a, like, yeah. a, a, a great live. All their songs sound exactly the same. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Carcass. Uh huh. Carcass, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That thing that's excellent. Carcass are great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Delane. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I hate this type of music. I think it's shit. Yeah. Um, no and they're a shitty version of some shit. <laughs> okay. So okay. you imagine a sort of shitty type of shit. Imagine if you, someone gave you some shit and you went, "That's pretty shit." Shit you've just given me. <laughs> you that, ate the shit and you shit out that shit. And yeah. the shit That you were left with. That's Delane. <laughs> that is Delane. Yeah. So. Covering yeah. up my delay oh. tattoo. Uh, no, delay are fucking awful. Um, the, the, the most interesting booking of, well, not the most, uh, of the sort of non headliners, Deantwort. What the fuck? Yeah. That's cool. Are you a fan of Deantwort? I think I love the thought of download people being. Um, forced to watch forced that. Forced to watch forced. that. <laughs> so do I. Will. Let's, let's face it. The majority of download patrons want to see Slash, yeah, <laughs> are fairly knuckle dragging, and um, uh, you mean you're listening? <laughs> and okay. and Dean Woods are going to blow them. I mean, people will hate. Yeah, them. I'm absolutely. Well, I don't know if they will it, though. I mean, Chase and Stay, it's went down really well. I, mate, I, you know, I'm, I'm gonna give the. The, the the rock and, and metal crowd some fucking credit here and I reckon the aunt word will smash it I, I, I can't see them not smashing really? it really yeah I think the energy in that crowd because of the confusion and the 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 kind of tension between people that are absolutely hating it and the people that are absolutely loving it is going to be electric yeah. it's going to be oh yeah to yeah, yeah I definitely agree I think with for that. that reason it's going to be something that you really want to see yeah for sure for sure that is an excellent booking are you I've, familiar with their albums do you work around uh, I don't think I've like listened to an entire record but I'm okay. familiar with their work and familiar with you their videos you might have to in the next week boys okay. so, cool. um, <laughs> anyway uh, coming up next me first in the gimme gimmies yeah right, uh, yeah. 99 mm-hmm. red balloons ha 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 yeah that's Goldfinger isn't it yeah it is Goldfinger but they it probably do as well don't they <laughs> Um, do you like uh, comedy got, pop punk ska uh, it's, it's covers not, of it's not Grease me. soundtrack? It wasn't made no? for me. No. <laughs> I mean, I like I'm obviously fine with that. I like some of the skate punk bands, but I find that very boring indeed. Um, Opeth. Okay, cool. Nice. Which is great. Yeah, you know, I love Opeth. Um, I, the thing about Opeth is outdoors doesn't ever work that well. Um, I've seen them be fairly good outdoors. I saw them play High Voltage, which was excellent. Sandwich between Clutch and Dan. Down, not Dan. Dan. Uh, Dan. Um, Dan. Dan. <laughs> um, uh, I see, and they were good there. Uh, the, the thing, the thing with Opeth outside on a festival bill is they get forty minutes, maybe maximum, yeah, maybe three 50, songs, and it's basically yeah, they play four, maybe five songs. Mm. Uh, you know, so but and one of them should be Ghost of Perdition, but it rarely is. Mm, Bastards. I, they've been putting it back in quite recently. No. Um, but yeah. That's yeah. my problem. This is fucking awesome. Power Trip. Oh, cool. Okay. Who I love. You a fan of Power Trip, Matt? Uh, I, just, I don't know Power Trip. They are the premier thrash metal band of this 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 millennium for me. Wow. 
the, yeah, they're taking the thrash metal thing and you, bringing it back in a kind of awesome. a, the way that I mean, that hardcore yeah, but like it's more. I mean, it's like. But like thrash guys doing it. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's like hardcore guys doing thrash. Yeah. It's the album Nightmare Logic is a fucking rager from start to finish and live. They are just so brilliant. They are so 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 brilliant. Um, What's that song? Um, the the blah blah's tax. Swing um, of the axe. Executioner's tax. Listen yeah, executioner's to that. Tax. If you've only Swing got- of the wow. <laughs> that was my favorite bit. Uh, <laughs> sold. If you've, only, if, you've only, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if you've only got time for one song, that's the executioner's tax. Make time. Yeah. I must um, buy three U two albums and a power trip album. Yeah. Immediately. Yeah. Yeah, you do. You need about eight U two albums actually. Yeah. Really, if you want to be like me. Oh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and let's, let's be honest, who doesn't? <laughs> Lots of people. Um, right. Uh, to, uh, there's some pretty stiff competition for the worst band playing. Oh, this okay. But Real Big Fish have got to be in the running because <laughs> they are fucking dog shit. Ooh, so Real Big Fish... man who had to watch them 12 times in a row last year. Oh, oh shit, how are you alive? Yeah. Uh, well, I barely by a thread by the end of that. Is it them and Less and Jake? Uh, no, at that time it was them. Actually, it was pretty good because it was them and Anti-Flag. And Anti-Flag were the perfect antidote to it. Oh, yeah. They were like, absolutely awesome every night and just killed mm. it. I You like Real Big Fish? Well, I don't love them and I wish they would come over and... The, the thing is, they've been playing exactly the same <laughs> set for 20 years. At least. Fucking pretty hell. much. Um, I it, like. I mean, it's fun for if you've never seen Real Big Fish, you'll probably be entertained. <laughs> Steve's not so sure. <laughs> I, I of that ska punk thing, mm. they are probably no, they're not. <laughs> no, they're not. My oh, your favorite? Okay, fine. Favorite? <laughs> really? They're better than Voodoo Glow Skulls. Better than the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones. They've got more material though, haven't they? <laughs> they haven't. They, they might have. Their, they've got a bit more. Songs. They've got more material. But have like, you what? ever? Right. Okay. I might actually give you a real big bitch. Oh, you shit! This is Better fucking down. claw finger payback, isn't it? <laughs> no, it isn't. There's, there's a really interesting real big fish album which I might actually give you for trade off one day. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> anyway. Shit. Anyway, real big fish. I think real big fish are completely fine I, I'm not I'm not like oh my god they're amazing you should go and see them I'm mm. just saying I, I, I think shit is harsh mm. if I'm honest I think it's do you I'm think shit's being... harsh uh, I think it's drink a lot jump around fall over fine I don't have to remember it I think yeah <laughs> that, that, that is kind of that is and there's a lot of people who are going to want to do that I download I think. Mm-hmm. So, so, so hence why but they unfortunately they'll probably be on about four o'clock in the afternoon and then yeah. you'll have the rest of the day to do well, so. that's true that's true yeah yeah, yeah. You're going to ruin your day with if, Real if Big, Real big Fish. Real Big Fish were in a tight... If Real Big Fish were in like a... I'm not talking about Real Big Fish anymore. Because there's a really actually fun band playing. <laughs> go last, on, what are you going to go on. The last sentence. If Real Big Fish were, were um, playing in a tent um, like after the... Like like, a, like an after show kind like of thing. Like an after show party. kind of thing. Yeah. Like that's where Real Get Big Fish early. should be. Yeah. <laughs> you could leave. Yeah. yeah. You could leave. I could leave. <laughs> but then some people who wanted to continue to party, that's a, that's a, that's a yeah. good place to put them. 
Mm. I think. I can think of a few good places to put them. <laughs> <laughs> In the <pit>. But <laughs> Skin Jetter playing. Now there's yeah, a band fun. who Skin are Jets. fun yes. Yes, yes, yes. and do have actually good songs yes. and aren't deliberately just wacky. They yes. just write fucking brilliant songs. Skin, Skin are of course leagues ahead of Robbie Fish. And have become like the download house band and I have mm. no doubt whatsoever. People will go, oh Skin Dread again, oh no, they play all the time, but they'll still be doing a fucking Newport helicopter because uh-huh. you just do. Um, so yes what you say about Skin Dread the, one of the all time most reliable bands for me Matt anything to add to Skin Dread they're always on time yeah <laughs> <laughs> no I love Skin Dread they're yeah, great yeah. really really fun band yeah um, Star Set I don't who the fuck are Star Set um, I don't know Star should have set. probably checked this before I did I'm going to google it right now oh, oh Star are Set are they one of the two I might have this wrong are they one of the two bands that's touring with Shinedown Oh. Yes, band. they are. Yes, it's you're quite them, right. They and are, and of course, Prestamico, which is fantastic. Yeah, good for Prestamico to play with a bunch That's... of to a bunch of bands who are far worse than them. Yeah, they're <laughs> going to show everyone up every night. It's going to be amazing. Yeah, do you um, think they'll go down well with that crowd? I though? think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's a lot, lot for anyone like into any kind of music to take away from Prestamico. I, 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 I hope, I hope so. I hope so. I hope you're right. I um, can't wait, wait to see Prestamico at Brixton Academy. Oh, will you go? Yeah. yeah. Nice. Go. Cool. I might go. I might go. And then leave. Early night, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Star Set, I don't know anything about them. I've just Googled what they look like and they... I shouldn't judge people but on the basis of what they look like. But, but you're going to. Uh, yeah, don't go and see them. Fucking hell. Um, <laughs> Tesla, like, you know, classic rock for the people like that. Um, the Amity Affliction, now, mm. core, I feel like I shot my load too soon when I was talking about Real Big Fish. <laughs> Because the Amity Affliction are fucking terrible yeah, fucking and should be sh- put out. Sh- should be <laughs> All right, Jeremy Clive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, no, the Amity Affliction are everything that I, like, we we don't cover that sort of thing. It's fucking dog shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, under Oath, ditto for me. Not keen on um, Under Oath. The, the, of, of... You know, if we were talking about different different levels of shit, shit. Oh yeah, Under Oath are far better than uh, like, of course. Uh, like, Under Oath are like a, a a turd that sort of dried up, so it doesn't stink as much, but it's still a turd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of shit on there. A lot of talking about shit. A one on wiper. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Exactly that. Um, so those are the bands that are playing. Let's get to the headliners. Def Leppard are headlining. Mm. <laughs> so well mate Def Leppard are massive like it's been yeah, yeah. what is it now it'll be it'll be six since, years is it'll, it six years uh, six seven yes no seven years seven years since they last headlined mm-hmm. um, I've got no problem with that right Def Leppard are a massive mm-hmm. band you know they've got a a very very strong back catalogue of a type of music which is not something that I'm particularly fond of mm-hmm. but they do it better than everyone else I think I have to okay. say they do absolutely nothing for me, but I, mm. despite that, I don't think they're a bad. I think it's good because, like, yeah, they're a good download headliner mm-hmm. for yep, sure. Yep, yep. Um, Slipknot, kind of ditto, really, for Slipknot. I think like they've played it so many times now. Um, I find it quite difficult to get excited at the idea of Slipknot. Uh, in 2018 um, to be I, was, I was excited just because it me- I'm assuming that means we might hear new material and mm. um, which I, I have no interest in whatsoever but no interest not really None. no no. I, yeah, I've not I, liked anything Slipknot have put out since uh, in album wise since 2004 yeah that must have been volume 3 yeah, wasn't it yeah. 
There's a couple of decent songs on Point Five, the Grey Chapter. I, I think Point Five is is pretty. I think it's all right. I think it's a pretty decent record. I, from what I recall, when I did my top twenty that year, it was like nineteen or something like that. Not a good year. Uh, probably wasn't. No, no but wasn't. but you know, like I, it's not a bad. I don't think it's no. It's that not bad. a bad record. It's not a bad record. Um, they've not. I mean, to be fair, they've not done it since. When was the last time they did it? Two thousand fifteen. Twenty fifteen. I think. Twenty fifteen. Right, yeah. So it's four years since they've done it. So that's yeah. all right. It's just they've yeah, done it a yeah. lot in this. You think in a decade, and also it will be twenty years. It'll be ten years since they first headlined it, and twenty yeah. years since the debut Sit album came out. Yeah, which they, you know, so, so maybe it won't be new material. Maybe it'll be. Uh, I mean, they, Slipknot doing Slipknot in full. In full, and they'd obviously they they've been teasing that they're doing some sort of thing to do with the first album, aren't they? Oh, have they? Oh, yeah. Well, so quite likely, you know, isn't it? I think they might. That I'd watch that. That'd be dead oh, cool. Oh yeah, that would be so. cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'd like That'd to see cool. that. That'd be cool. They're all right, aren't they? Slipknot. Yeah. <laughs> well, they are. They're all right. Like, no, you know. They're, 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 I, I, I like Slipknot a lot. They're really good. Um, mm. I, th- I think it's a good, yeah, it's a it's a good, good. Um, I mean, we've seen it before, but it's a good, mm. you know, what else are Download going to do? Because as what I was saying before, in terms of the music industry not being supported, there aren't like those yeah. bands coming through. So yeah, I, th- I don't think Slipknot's a bad one particularly. Mm. I think I probably would have been happier with it if it wasn't for this last headliner. There is one more band to talk about uh, who have been announced to download. And I have to say, even as it comes to come out of my mouth now, I can't quite believe still that I'm about to say what I'm about to say. Because my favourite band in the entire world ever, 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 the greatest band in the history of music, as you far as I'm concerned, oh, don't ruin <laughs> sorry, it. Sorry, sorry, in, sorry. In, in my humble opinion, I did not expect. I nigh on went. It cannot happen. It will not happen. It's not going to happen. Tall, fucking tall. You're about to cry. I'm fucking going to play download next year. Steve's crying. Oh my god. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> Fucking taller back. Yeah. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. I've waited so fucking long. Yeah. Do you know what? I was saying this just before we started recording. Last time Tall played was two th- in this country was 2007? Yeah, something yeah. like that. So that's 11 years. Played 2006, 2007. Brixton they played Academy. Brixton Academy. They did two nights at Brixton Academy. I got tickets for the first night. And the girl I was going out with at the time, who's a nice enough girl, but she went, I went, I'm going to go and see Tall again tonight. And she went, oh no, don't, I'll play, I'll just stay. And we just, and she she went, you just go and see them next time they come over. Go and see them next time they come over. And I don't know what I did that night, I probably just stayed in had a pizza and watched EastEnders and I didn't go and spend loads of money on a tout on my Tall ticket. Next time they come over. Mm-hmm. This is the next time they've come over. <laughs> ten years later. Ten yeah. Later. Wow. I haven't spoke to that girl for nine years. <laughs> and they still haven't... I don't even know what to do. Like, it's going to be fucking 12 years since they played in this country. And, I, well, the most exciting thing about it is... 
Tool are playing. Tool are playing. But the most exciting thing, uh, by extension of that, is surely that means the record is coming next year. Surely, 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 surely. Because I know they've done a few shows in, in Australia and America. America. Yeah, was it Australia. They did some in Australia as well. Well, yeah, they did do America. They've intermittently over the past ten years. They have done shows. Yeah, but coming over and headlining I don't know that's such a full big, tour they're doing a full European tour as I've well. got tickets to see them in Prague yes I'm hoping to get tickets to see them in Amsterdam and I'm going to um, say actually shout out my friend Ross who got me tickets to Prague I'm going to suck his dick <laughs> whether he wants it or not <laughs> I'm going to suck in fact if he don't want it I'm sucking someone's dick basically like someone's getting their dick sucked by me that's- put your name in a hat Amazing. Um, I'm doing it. That's um, the first thing you're putting on the Patreon page. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Five pounds a month. We'll get you. Yeah. Uh, get you. Uh, hum on the ball. <laughs> I, I'm, I don't know. I don't know what to do with this bit. Um, I'm so excited. I might take my trousers off. <laughs> Should we all take our tops off? Should we all take our tops off? <laughs> Lemon juice. Should we actually take our tops off? <laughs> no, it's, it's exciting. I'm going to take uh, my Steve's, Okay, Steve's taking his top off. I won't, I won't take my top off. Um, it's brilliant. It's amazing news. And Tool are bound to do something completely off. Like, I mean, the last time they played Download, they started with um, uh, the really long 11-minute song on 10,000 Days, which is about being abducted by aliens and, and done up the arse or something. Um isn't it? Uh, <laughs> that might have been a bit of subtext that I may well have missed from that. Sure. Oh, um, uh, Keys for Hoffman and all that. It's not into, that one, into, that, into Rosetta Stone. Into Rosetta Stone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so they start with that. Is that about like, being directly asked by aliens? There's definitely talk of like being pro. They by love fisting that next season. They're the best band ever. So many fucking songs about fisting. <laughs> Not a thing I've ever picked out about Tool before is why I stink like Stink Fist. So. A, yeah, there is a stink song called fist. Stink Fist. <laughs> Bottom. <laughs> Although prison sex. Come on. Maynard yeah, said that. Main, Maynard said that it's kind of not about fisting, but it's yeah, about. No, no I, I believe what if I probably told a journalist. I'm sure that is. <laughs> All right, we legit. won't get. We won't to get what we won't get into what stink fisting's about. Um, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure they'll do something which will completely confuse and confound people and it'll be fucking brilliant and just the fact that they are actually actually back by the sounds of it is fucking wonderful yeah i just want that album i think well i mean this changes everything because i would sort of given up on the idea changes everything i'd given up on the record coming out ever and now i'm pretty i would be stunned if it's not out by sort of start next year May not start next year or the middle of like the first half of next year I reckon it'll be May they usually they try and release them around Maynard's birthday which I believe is May Nod May <laughs> May 8th or something I mean. like that it's something, but yeah they usually I remember Lateralis was released on his birthday I believe so I reckon they'll do something like that which would make sense uh, in terms of this tour Hmm. Um, new tool, Matt. Matt, excited, go on, right? talk about tool for a bit. Talk about tool for a bit. That's a bit exciting, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Are you, I can see you're as excited as Steve. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm really excited. Um, there was kind of it was rumored, obviously, before, and I've kind of been getting kind of working up to it. And I kind of didn't see how I, it could not be tool. I have to say, I actually heard this two or three weeks ago. Did you? That, you 
cunt. You didn't well, tell no, me. I didn't tell you because I've because I've heard that rumor every year for the past four or five years. Yeah. Right. But some, but the person whoever told me, they did say tall and Slipknot. I don't think they got Def Leppard right, but they did have tall and Slipknot. So this person who I will not name. This is I. I got a very similar. Yes, yes. So yeah. the the rumor that I heard, but I I didn't pay any mind because I was like, I've heard these rumors in the past and they've been wrong, so I'm not really bothered. Mm. Um, but yes, this person who told me was correct, um, and um, yeah. So I'm fully happy to see that it's actually happening. It's amazing. I'm just trying to like. It says it on the poster. It says it on the poster. <laughs> it's, it's, it's confirmed. It's, it's not a rumor. Yeah, yeah. This is it's, it's actually it's really fucking yeah, yeah, happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This new material, which is coming. Yeah. yeah. And tall, tall, tall. And I'm, you know, Maynard has um, tweeted. Uh, he keeps tweeting hashtag tall hashtag 2019. And I mean, it's all leading up to. I mean, and a bit to be honest, if an album, if the album doesn't come out, they never make. To be, if they even if they don't make, and if they never make another album again at this point. I don't fucking care. I just want to see them live again. I I want to see them live so much that I it, it doesn't matter. I think and you know for what it's worth, I think we probably will get an album. I'm yeah, pretty we sure we will. Well, based on the stuff, do you remember? Do you remember about three or four years ago, uh, Buzz Os- Osborne from the Melvins was talking, saying like I've heard the new Tool album, which you know might not even be true. Maybe you'd heard demos or something like that. Yeah, he was like, not a single song is under ten minutes. And like there's songs which are like songs of songs of songs of songs and like all this weird crazy stuff and he was just saying it's the most amazing thing ever. I am still excited about that. I hope that's the tall album we actually get. Yeah. Probably won't be because they've been working on it for three or four years. But uh yeah. Um yeah, new tour. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. I'm Fucking I'm super brilliant. excited. I, I feel like I'm not being excited enough, but I feel like that's more just because person sitting opposite <laughs> is being so it's, ridiculously excited I, I want to be cry gently frozen the second we finish recording this podcast and woken up three <laughs> minutes before they go on stage I can't wait I can't I cannot wait I'm going to melt down my lateralis vinyl I'm going to get it shaped like a cock and I'm going to shove it up in my own cock and <laughs> die after they played is that a weird enough thing to show how excited I am yeah. I think it, it must be because it's the weirdest thing I can think of. I don't know what to do with myself. I've just been walking around with a big smile on my face. I should be miserable. Do you know how shit my year's been? Do you know how miserable I've been over the last six months? I've been so fucking miserable. And then one fucking download announcement and I feel fine again. Yeah, yeah. The power of music. It is. It's unbelievable. Tool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah. Things are looking up. Tool are playing download. <laughs> Things Fuck. are looking up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> fucking hell. Brexit's not going to happen. Get your fucking tops off, you pussies. Come on. <laughs> we're all getting our tops off and we're going to have a big yeah. naked cuddle and cry and wank. Steve is actually naked right now. We didn't see it happen. We just blinked and there were no clothes on him. <laughs> oh, anyway. So, just to recap, playing download this year, Tool... And a lot of other shit that's not as good. I've noticed um, they've uh, missed Haggard Cat off the announcement though, which is oh, confounded me. Yeah, oh, a little exclusive there. No. Okay. Thank you. Thank uh, you. That's good. Right, let's do the trade off. <laughs> let's move on before I take my top off. Um, gonna do that anyway. Again. Yeah. <laughs> Zola Jesus, you gave me last week. Yeah. Covey from 2016 which I'd never heard before right. uh, I don't really know anything about this person okay. um, Zola Jesus uh, are you familiar with Zola Jesus 
Ma- no, 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 no. Cool. But what I do know now is that I like her. <laughs> um, how would you describe Zola Jesus, Steve? I get kind of female um, mm. singer-songwriter... Mm. Uh, electro kind mm. of a shimmer a, I would say a less threatening almost a more calmer version of Chelsea Wolf is what I sort of especially yes. when you listen to Abyss yeah uh, if you comparatively with that it was actually it's funny because when I think of Anna Van Housewolf and Emma Ruth Rundle and Chelsea Wolf and Merka and the other mm-hmm. kind of um, female Women. solo artists that we we talk about within this scene, which yep. is a, like a really, really, really amazing scene. It might be it, particularly oh, at the moment. It's fucking yeah, brilliant. It, it's well, it's done, as women. good. It's as good as any music being made by anyone. I mean, the thing is, I'm kind of loath to put them together in a scene. Yeah, just because, because they're all women. Yeah, but you know, especially something like Emma Ruth Rundle and Chelsea Wolfe, there are stylistic similarities. Yeah, 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 there are stylistic differences, but um, I think there is a there is a similar vibe and through line of aesthetically and the type of music they make. It is similar. It's dark. Yes, and, and there are men that are making that type yeah. of music as well. Yeah. Uh, but obviously, I think you but, get a much more like more regularly get a more haunting vocal. Yeah from like that sense of femininity and which honest, I like yeah about. it's something to do that's what it is isn't it it's something to do with that femininity mm-hmm. with the darkness it's that yeah. contrast which makes it interesting yeah. uh-huh. but it's not a genre but, but yes, no not necessarily the, a genre yeah, 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 yeah. but this actually when I listen to someone like say Anna Van Housewolf I understand why kind of people in the the, the kind of extreme maybe not yeah the extreme metal um underground mm-hmm. are sort of gravitate towards an act like that listening to this i was like they probably do with zola jesus as well but it doesn't it sounds more like uh this could be i mean i put it on at work today and the, the guys were like this is really good cool and i wouldn't expect them you know what you, anything you'd normally give me they would be like Ugh. <laughs> um <laughs> Put a temper tea back on. And um Do you know where I first saw Solar Jesus? No. Roadburn. Wow, that's okay, that's interesting, cool. isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. So I would describe Zola Jesus as a mix of Chelsea Wolf, Madonna and Bjork. Whoa. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Yeah, do you think that's mm-hmm. fair? Mm-hmm. Um she is fascinating. She's like I don't know, electro pop maybe, but with like really interesting orchestral flourishes. And like, I I can't, it's very difficult to define. Very, very interesting artist. She's been going for a while. Akovi's like her fifth or sixth record. Yeah. Um, And a lot of what she's, I don't love everything she's done, but I do love a lot of it. A lot of it is really, really good. I think Akovi's probably my favourite thing she's done. It's her most recent record. Um, But she's just a super interesting, like live it was it was it was like watching a pop act in the middle of roadburn but a fucking brilliant one um it, and she she sort of dances in a sort of pop-esque way i thought i thought it was um i thought it was choreographed but i was kind of reliably informed that it wasn't choreographed mm. but um she, she's a very unique interesting presence in I was going to say in this scene, but I don't think she fits into any scene. That's I. The, the thing about it was, is I did go. This feels much more like kind of main. 
not mainstream pop, but certainly when you think of uh, Bat for Lashes or mm-hmm. even like LaRue. Yeah. And stuff, do you know what I mean? Like there, there's, there's stuff where you go, this could be on Six Music or uh, Jules Holland or, and, and as much as I love the Emma Ruth Rundle album, I think that she might be a little bit too dark for kind mm-hmm. of mainstream yep. British uh, television. Yep. Whereas I don't think this is. No, I and agree. I, I agree. It's very, very good. And yeah, and it, it was something that even, I think, yeah, when you get people like the people I work with turning around and going, oh, I, I like this, who mm. are not interested in guitar music and are certainly not interested in underground music in, by any stretch of the imagination at all, mm. uh, going, yeah, yeah, put that on again. Mm. Like, I was like, mm, well, there's definitely something that's... There's something, yeah. But I, I, there is no... If someone described her as just, if said, you know, put one genre to her and they said pop, I wouldn't say that was wrong. Yeah, but it's even a bit of like the more interesting end of Lady Gaga in it. Yeah, uh huh, definitely. Like imagine like a goth Gaga, goth Gaga. That's what she's. Goth Gaga. Goth Gaga. That's that. That's a, quite a reality, though, isn't it? Like, did, have you heard the rumours of what Gaga's doing next? No. An album with Metallica. What? <laughs> Sounds no. awful, right? Where did you hear these rumours? Where did you hear these horrible <laughs> things? <laughs> I was just on the phone to old uh, to Papa to, to Papa yeah, to yeah, Daddy Papa. Hat mm. yeah, <laughs> Daddy. On, the, on, on the red phone. Once <laughs> <laughs> you once um, uh, you buy a Gibson Explorer, they give you one of those. And oh nice! Just, you hit the button and it just <laughs> straight it? through to Hatfield. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, would be, uh, I wouldn't mind an album with Metallica. I, d- I, don't, I don't trust any collaboration album. That's with, well, after Metallica. their last collaboration uh, with Lou Reed worked so well, <laughs> and with Lang Lang worked so well. Instantly got deleted from history. Yeah, and their actual collaboration with Lady Gaga. Which was, was awful. Uh, that was a, sh- yeah, yeah. a big shame. Yeah, no, actually, maybe I'll take Not it back. Not so much. Um, yeah, this is very good, Renfrey. Yeah, cool. It I'm really good. glad I, you like it. I like it, yeah. I described, yeah, I described Zola Jesus to you um, when we were thinking initially of putting this podcast together and uh, you were like, that sounds really good. We should come mm. that sort of thing. Mm. She's coming to London uh, at the beginning of November. I think we should go. Yeah, I'd be up for that. Uh, and I'm going to see what I can do about interviewing her as well because I think that would be ace. Yeah, but yeah Zola Jesus, she's fucking brilliant. Sweet. You okay. Check her out. So the it's called a Covey by Zola Jesus. It came out in 2016. Uh, I gave you Assassin's Black Metal Part 1 by Nach Mistium from 2008, mm. their fourth album. Now, um, this is really around the time where I started developing a bit of a palette for black metal. Yeah, I can see that. What's your, um, just before we get Renfrey's thoughts, what's your feelings on black metal, Matt? Because I think there's a li- actually a little bit of similarity to some of the music you've made in terms of a lo-fi uh, uh-huh. aesthetic, uh-huh. Um, especially what you're doing now, uh, which is you know just guitar, bluesy guitar parts and drums being quite unrefined with black yeah, metal. Yeah. He's right here, man. You know, no, no, but that's good. <laughs> it's meant in a nice way. Oh, no, no, yeah, no, it is. Absolutely, no, absolutely. Um, uh, to be to be quite honest, in, in fact, while I was um, doing the reviews, a little bit because obviously we've got um, a death metal. Yeah, album we definitely later, do. Yes, which yes. is not kind of a million miles away from what we're talking about here. Mm. Um, I don't have a huge background in that 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 thing. I don't have a lot of context to compare to, but um, I actually do go along to quite a, a lot of underground black metal gigs because there's quite a good scene for it in Nottingham. Yeah, oh, right. which is a really weird thing to say. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, there's there's a couple of venues that pretty much every week they've got a black metal night. Mm. Fucking love it. What kind it's of so uh, wh- which kind of venues in Nottingham? Uh, like the, the the old Angel in well, it's called the Angel now. Mm-hmm. And they do a, a weekly black metal night there. Which cool. Is fucking great. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. 
Yeah, there's a couple of bands from the, um, from Nottingham that are on the way up there. There's a great metal pub in Nottingham that I went to when I was there for... The Sal, maybe? Old yeah, Sal? that's probably that's the one. a great pub. It's fucking great. It's like Crowbar. No, sorry. It's like um, the Intrepid Fox used to be in London. Oh, right. Okay, It's sure. fucking great. Yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah, really this, is, this is not interesting. No, it's not. <laughs> uh, um, Visit Nottingham. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, like the ironic thing about it I guess is when I sort of first got into my sort of first initial tentative steps into the world of black metal was through American black metal which is sort yeah. of considered to be like you know the, the, yeah the sort of <laughs> bastard cousin of the true black metal scene or whatever um, but uh, I and this was one of the first albums that in the world of black metal that I really loved um, and I really loved it because it had enough uh, black metal in it for it to be black metal but at the same time, it felt really catchy to me as well. It's definitely a record which, if you were trying to get someone into black metal, you could play them and go, look. Or if, or if someone assumed, like, I might have maybe 10 years ago, which is around about the time this record came out, I think it was 2008 actually, uh, that black metal was all just like blast beats and, mm. you know, s- screaming bloody murder about, I don't know, eviscerating a virgin's cunt or whatever. Mm. Um, that's more death metal, but anyway. Um mm. It's a reference to a cannibal court song, uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, which is death metal. Don't write in because um, <laughs> uh, I don't care. Um, th- I think this would be a really yeah. I can totally see why this could get someone into black metal. Although the more I listened to it, the more I was like, is this even a black metal record? Well, it's quite brave, isn't it? It's got lots of sax on it. It's got saxophone on it. It's got yeah. saxophone. It's got... Yeah, I mean, it's. A, I just think it's a really good, brave... And, and it doesn't get talked about. I mean, when you think of the... the, the either the, the panning or the love that a band like Wolves in the Throne Room or even Bostonage um, inspiring people, Nack Mistium tend to be I think especially on this record criminally overlooked mm. as this record was 2008 which you know it wasn't the first one to to come out from that scene at all but I guess I just caught it at a really good time I feel like I caught it while I had an, when I had an interest in this sort of thing and the, the record was really really fucking great yeah. and I, I think it's a really good record I think like you say it's got a really good mixture of being relatable enough so that it's not pure black metal but it's definitely got all the the aesthetics and the the feel of of black metal. I think the foundations of it are black metal. Yeah, I think I think there's a a, a rooting and there's a foundation which you know begins with Burzum and Mayhem and all that kind of thing, and then from that. But they kind of admitted around this time. We read a bit of press around it, and they kind of admitted they were trying to. Mm. Whilst that was their foundation and that was their roots, they were also trying to expand out of that and get you know get away from it basically and i think to be honest with you if i'm totally honest when when i first pressed play i was like this is okay and i'd read up a little bit about it i just you know sort of like wikipedia page and stuff like that but i was like i don't think this is massively different to straight ahead black metal to be totally honest so i was slightly disappointed but as the record went on it undoubtedly mm. becomes more expensive but and by the end you have this like three sweet three part sweet song at the end which yeah. is I mean it's Opeth style basically yeah, yeah, it's like loads of saxophone on it and jazz <clears throat> inspired bits and pieces and the black metal is kind of almost almost not there at all yeah um, 
I, I think it gets really... I, I, there were bits that... Were, there was this incredibly amazing, blistering rock lead in a song called um, Your True Enemy, which reminded me of um, Beh- what Behemoth have just done with I Loved You at Your Darkest. Mm. You know how, like, that record is, you know, to all intents and purposes, an extreme black metal record, but then they have a blistering solo, which is like Angus Young style or something like that, you know. Um, it's just like... It, it, it reminded me of that kind of thing. And then there's there's this a brilliant instrumental called Code Negative on it, which is absolutely fantastic, like almost yeah, seven minutes long. Really woozy and kind of like reminded me of Mastodon at their progiest mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, it's it, it's a really interesting record. I really liked it. And yeah. I was unsure to begin with, but okay. I, I did really like it. That's good. You wanted to talk about... Uh, Blake Judd. Well, it's funny you said their front man, Blake Judd, who... Um, who when you say that they were trying to get away from black metal, Blake Judd didn't say it in as nice a way as that. Blake Did Judd was not? like, black metal's shit and you're all a bunch of fucking idiots and fuck you. I can't, I'm, oh. I'm paraphrasing. Okay. But Blake Judd is a troubled man. Um, he His career was was abruptly halted uh, when he faced Miss Medina, uh, Mr. Medina theft charges, stealing and pawning his roommate's guitar to buy heroin. That's kind oh. of the last... <laughs> Have a do with him. Uh, he's openly admitted to kind of cocaine, hallucinogens, marijuana. Yeah, yeah, you would, my mate. He he <laughs> he has done a lot. I'm um, a very conscientious drug, drug dealer. Yes, you know. are. <laughs> but I can vouch for that. Sort of. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's just. Uh, I mean, he's he, he's been in a lot of trouble with um, his fans and his record label for whole like selling merchandise and then not delivering on the merchandise oh, and really? defrauding customers to sort of feed his heroin habit um oh, and he, he ended up becoming homeless so he oh. ended up becoming homeless without a source of income because they basically had to close his online store down bands are split up he was living in a a um a homeless shelter before he kind of went to rehab in 2015 so fucking hell okay yeah and he's he's you know he he said that he's you know, like he's sorry and he's he's been quite. But he had a little period where he had a really like the dude had a really bad rap, and you can kind of understand why because mm. he was basically charging his fans to buy t-shirts yeah. that didn't mm. exist, bad <laughs> shit, uh, to buy heroin with them. So he's uh he's got a real he's got a really 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 bad reputation of being a bit of a cunt, which is unusual in black metal where they always seem like such <laughs> nice guys, non-murderous types. Yeah. Um, that's really interesting. He, um, I, I did notice they'd split up, and I'm guessing yep. that is the result of all that kind of thing. Uh-huh. Um, but I did notice they have reformed last year, I believe. So. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so I believe so. They, I, well, I don't think they've released any new material as of yet, but they have reformed. So right, hopefully cool. well, he's I like a him. Yeah. reformed man. I might buy a T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't advise. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe wait a while to see if those orders come through. Um, but yes, I hope that he has got over his yeah, me problems too. and his troubles because because th- this is clearly something really interesting. Yeah, I really like this record. It's really good. Okay, next week, Renfrey. We spoke about. A little bit earlier, and this is why I'm giving it. I'm giving you tension by Deantwort. Nice, cool. Okay, uh, I'm going to give you Cold Walls slash Cloudy Eyes by Hindsight. Okay, don't know what that is. <laughs> it's awesome. an album. <laughs> ah, good. <laughs> Thinking outside the box there, oh, the yeah. old the album. Um, cool. All right. Well, let's get on with some reviews then before we throw to Mr. Jamie Lenman. Bloodbath, the arrow of Satan is drawn. Guess what? This is a heavy metal record. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You don't say, mate. uh, The fifth album from the old school death metal lads 
from Sweden by way of Halifax. The second album with Nick Holmes fronting the band after his debut, Grand Morbid Funeral. Um, uh, Nick Holmes from Paradise, from Paradise Lost. Lost. Yeah, and it's weird because I don't much care for growly Nick Holmes in Paradise Lost. But on Bloodbath, Bloodbath, it works. It, it fucking works. Um, I agree. Matt, I'm going to let you kick off and give us give us your thoughts on the the new album from Bloodbath. You said yourself okay. a minute ago, not much of a death metal man. No, um, but so I don't have a lot of background with it, but uh, so I don't have a lot of context. But I fucking loved it. It was so <laughs> it's good, great, right? It was well. I, I went through a few different stages with it. Um, it's it's so much fun to listen to. Yeah. Um, I think fun is the opera. It's, the it's a real because it's so old school and like yeah. everything in there. It's like oh, that's Slayer. You're doing Slayer. Yeah, I yeah, like yeah. it. I know Slayer. I'm, yes, I'm in. Yeah. There's like like the 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 drums are just are um, just uh, Lombardo. It's like the fills mm, in there and everything. Mm. It's like yeah, that's. That's do you know? Awesome. Do you know who the drummer is in this band? Who's the drummer? It's uh, Opeth's drummer. Yes. Mer- okay. Yeah. I, I I read Martin the kind of Martin alumni, Martin. Yeah. but mm. I didn't kind of put two and two together. Yeah, who yeah, was yeah. Doing, which doing what? Um, but doing, yeah, doing I, an amazing job. I have doing to say, an amazing as, job, as you'd expect. But yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, so yeah, it's it's not like reinventing the wheel or anything. But I don't no. think you want it to. You don't like. It's, That's not the point of blood. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, no, no, yeah. no. It's it's it, it is, is a bit tongue in cheek. I think, and uh, I, I I think you kind of not you are supposed to take it with a pinch of salt. I yes. Don't know. Um, it's, do you, so, do you, so to, to give you a little bit of context for it, but they're a super group made up of members of uh, Paradise Lost, Catatonia, yep. and Opeth, mm-hmm. and. I think the way you're meant to think about Bloodbath is kind of the way that people think about Mutoid Man um, Uh in that like it's prestigious brilliant musicians getting together having a few beers and having a laugh that very much comes across Uh, yeah yeah and I think that does come across really well on this record I do yeah the the kind of first thing I did was like okay so this is a band called Bloodbath the album's called The Arrow of Satan's Drum (laughs) has there ever been anything more metal than that and then I I opened it all up and was like, ah, oh, the second track's called Bloodicide. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, oh, but, and the morbid Antichrist is on there. Exactly, but that's the thing. Even the, even the, the type <laughs> Bloodicide is such a ridiculous it's, title. It is literally like, uh, they read as if, like, um, they've picked them out of a what is your death metal song name generator. Yeah. It's, but, but I love it for that. Like, yeah. I mean, uh, to be honest, like, um, as, as the album went on a little bit, I think they ran out of ideas or, a little I, bit. I, 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 I think, dragged. I, I think uh, it's a, a couple of tracks too long. My favourite track on it is Chainsaw Lullaby, the last song. Chainsaw Lullaby. Chainsaw Lullaby. We just seem like tenor, these are the <laughs> things I'm going to cut off with a chainsaw and how I'm going to cut them off. Like, what a fucking weird but brilliantly, like, what a metal. They're so metal. It's did so you, metal. And did, did you notice the sample at the end of that track as well? Uh, what is it? As it I finishes, you just hear a chainsaw just revving down. Uh, oh, like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and it's like, oh, God. Yeah. It, yes, that's how you've ended your album. <laughs> it, it's so great. I, I mean, this is, you know, it basically kind of does one thing. Yeah. Like you say. Yeah. And, yeah. and again, I mean, I hate to fucking, I hate to sound like a broken record or a, a broken chainsaw, but... Um, <laughs> I, Don't sound like a broken chainsaw. No, no, no. Like, I just love this type of music. Yeah. I just love it. I, I come on it every time some kind of blackened, crusty hardcore band come on I go look do you know what 
I'm a fucking, I roll over and let it tickle my belly because I am just an absolute <laughs> fucking mark for this stuff. So when you get members of Opeth and Paradise Lost and Catatonia, who, like you say, are unbelievable musicians, mm. who are fucking schooled in this shit as well, like who, yeah. who have come from, actually come from the scene where Nihilist and Entomb come from and, and are doing like the archetypal Swedish death metal, who are just living out like all of their, going like, let's just live out all of our, sickest morbid angel fantasies like morbid uh, there's loads of I, it, well yeah I mean that is the entire I think morbid angel are the entire point of this band like, yeah, I know they yeah, all yeah. went fuck it let's just make like as much morbid angel worship as we possibly can yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's just br- it's just brilliant yeah. like it's just like to me I don't know how you do this I don't know if there is an album that sounds like this that I don't like that I don't love mm. because I just I just love this. Like, I just think this type of music is so fucking. It just it's seductive. It's brilliant. I think. I think. I. I do love this record particularly. <clears throat> I, I, I like it a lot. I would say. I think it's a very, very good record. Like, like you said, I think it's a couple of tracks too long. Although I wouldn't say. Um, I wouldn't take off like the last two tracks. Actually, no. um, only the dead survive. I was going to say only the dead survive is what, my. What, what does that mean? That's my <laughs> that's my favorite. But that's my favorite title as well because it's like it's so tongue in cheek and so stupid. It's like only the dead survive. <laughs> you know, it is like they've all just sat around, had a bunch of beers, and they're kind of lovingly mocking this thing that they adore. You yeah. know, and, yeah, and yeah. that and and you can. What? you can get that sense and I, I love that Nick Holmes has got this really obviously got this really dry northern sense yeah. of humour yeah. yeah and I mean like when they played Bloodstock earlier in the year when he came on he went A up we're, we're bloodbath from Stockholm Sweden <laughs> <laughs> <It's> so great <laughs> so great that's great and um yeah, I mean, I don't know what else to say about it, really. I just think it's... It's not the most, like, it's it's not going to... It's not going to blow you away. I don't. I wouldn't call it album of the year material or anything like that. No. But if you just want a fun death metal record, which has some great... I mean, the production's phenomenal. Like, yeah, I, those guitars are so buzzsaw. Really? It's so gut-churning. Yeah, yeah. You know. Tearing. Yeah, yeah. Throttling guitar. The yeah, production is phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, the production is brilliant. Considering it. it's just like a, a bit of fun. Yeah. Like, and the riffs are so are like, yeah. like the, tight the uh, whole way through. Wayward Samaritan, it's like a Motley Crue riff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like, <laughs> Played on a chainsaw, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's just, it's just uh, you know, and some people might be uh, a little bit puzzled by us calling this death metal record about, you know, ripping up in trails and all that kind of thing fun but that's exactly what it is it's, it's just really good. you know but it's fun in a very macabre kind of sense but yeah i i get the black comedy yeah, yeah yeah i get the sense that they they don't even start writing until they've had like a three beers each mm. and then they just continue to drink and, and just have a have a laugh and i think considering that the three bands they come from all great bands, but all quite relatively serious. Serious, yeah. Relatively po-faced. And not that, sorry, po Musically, they are. Well, I mean, you, you yeah, go and see yeah. Opeth and Ackerfeld cracking jokes, and so does Nick Holmes That's and Paradise Lost. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think they're, they're you know, fun guys, definitely. I've um, interviewed uh, uh, Mike Ackerfeld and Nick yeah, Holmes. Too, yeah. They're both, like, really good company. But um, I think I think all three of those bands are trying to 
become something different to what they started out as. All of them. Catatonia have changed dramatically. Mm. Opeth have changed dramatically. Uh, Paradise Lost have changed pretty dramatically yeah. as well. Over and then the changed back pretty dramatically changed the other back, way yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and with this, you can just tell they're not... in. I, I, I don't want to sound like I'm damning with faint praise, but they're not engaging their brain and they're just having a laugh. And I think that is... It's really fun. It's just really fun to hear that from time to time. And they're embracing their roots and having having a laugh with it so yeah i absolutely agree i think it is a very very good album i don't think there's too much really to say on it no i, I other I, than yeah. do you know what i mean like if yeah. you like death metal and i do you'll like this yeah probably yeah almost yeah. certainly yeah i it's think decent. so really so there you go that is the arrow of satan is drawn by bloodbath so arrow fucking of satan is so drawn. <laughs> Uh, next like album now there's not a lot of fucking fun in this this is Daughters uh, You Won't Get What You Want the fourth album from the New York Art Noise crew is that a fair description of that band? Art Noise yeah they, I, I, I used to think they were like like in the original albums they were more like a grindcore band yeah they yes. were more like it's a like, grindcore well, band but well, they, they progressed they, into kind mm. of it was became like art rock and yeah. art noise every and, I mean there's no point in even trying to trying to figure out what doors are because they change with every record yeah and i mean no exception i uh it's pretty different from, definitely from like hell songs was the kind of era that i yeah. was became familiar with them and had a bit of a uh you know sort of uh, a little sort of moment with them and thought they were great um and it's obviously very very different to this which kind of you know i mentioned them, the new york thing because this is much more reminiscent of like suicide in some points mm-hmm. like do you know what I mean and throbbing gris or any of that kind of pre-industrial early 80s like music uh, mm-hmm. I was going to say sort of synth music but I, I don't know if that's yeah that kind of yeah, pre-industrialist post-punk yeah definitely, mm, definitely. There, there definitely is um, and it reminded me of Swans yeah Quite I mean, I mean yeah mm-hmm. Swans is is a, is a great shout. Yeah, is a that's a, a great shout. I think you know, um, there's uh, yeah, there's a, there's a lot going on here, and it will will take you a fair few listens, I think. Yeah, but it's but it's a I I, I think this is I, I to to be lay my cards on the table. I'm a massive daughters fan. I think they are genuinely unique. I can't think of any other band that sounds like them i mean they kind of started out like matt said doing these kind of grindcore songs mm. and their vocalist um uh, alexis something or other marshall marshall thank you um i've seen him described and I'm, i don't know who said it but i'm gonna nick it because it's brilliant he sounds like a deranged elvis presley you know yeah, or an elvis, elvis presley being tortured <clears throat> i think was yeah another one you know and like they they do sound like utterly unique i think you're familiar with daughters aren't you man? yeah yeah i know tom your tom, drummer tom is a absolutely fan. loves yeah. daughters this, yeah. the, uh, that's kind of my main window into right, what right, daughters right, do right. is through tom and i've kind of heard everything through him and i, yeah. I love it as well it's really really great. They're, they're 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 unique i think it's fair to say they are in, mm. in a you know in a world of uh <laughs> greater van fleets they are unique you know yeah um, and totally, totally different and try to do new stuff all the time. And this is their first album in eight years. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> a comeback record, I guess, because uh-huh. they did split yeah, up for a little did, while. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think the, the title of the album, You Won't Get What You Want, is kind of telling. It's telling. like an admission, isn't it? It's like, <laughs> well, we're not going to do that again. Yeah. So yeah, fuck that idea. Yeah, right yeah, off. yeah, like, yeah. Um, And it did... Um, I, I think my first listen, I was kind of like, my God... 
I mean, I, I think this is probably the most challenging record I've heard all year. Possibly. Hmm. It's it really is a disorientating listen. It's a disorientating, discordant, yeah. uh, nightmarish yeah. spiral. It's so bleak. It is it? very just, bleak. It, it kind of just filled me full of like, just really kind of negative feelings. Yeah, of them, yeah, 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 yeah. It was kind of a chore to yeah through the first time and it's great in that way like it just makes you feel exactly what they're trying to convey just from the get-go just because of that well they 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 clearly i mean they they want to do that you wouldn't they must do because you wouldn't put in some of the things that they put in like just just these really jarring downright horrible nasty sounds in some some cases um really but when it works there's these occasional sort of um uh, points where you see the sun coming through the clouds, you know, and it just all sort of meshes together and just sounds beautiful in this really weird, um, morbid kind of way. Um, there's um, there's this bit. I, I'm going to call call it the chorus, although I don't know if daughters really deal in choruses at all, really. But there's mm. this bit in Satan in the Weight um, uh-huh. when there's that. I think like the I keys that come I, in and there, yeah, it's really yeah. kind of lush. And it's yeah, yeah, just... yeah. The lush. I think it's keys. <clears throat> I wasn't sure if it was keys. I, I, th- and I think it is. Or... I, I, I've literally written in, in my notes. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there's a there's a really spooky and I, again I assume it's keys that punctuate the song "Daughter," which is fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. And there's strings right at the end of the album, which just kind of are a kind of. I was listening to that last song Guest House on yeah, the tube this house. morning yeah, and it is mental. like being on a packed tube with that playing is like being in a horror film it's yeah, like yeah, someone's about imagine. to just come and stab you in the back of the head it's really it's yeah. literally like a grind, grindhouse soundtrack that was, yeah. that's what yeah, I got yeah. from like the whole thing kind of but that song yeah. especially I, I think mm. it's a bit more I would personally say it's a little bit more I think it's more like the horror like Babadook or The Witch in that it's more creeping and more uh-huh. or The Shining I don't think it's like a gore thing because grind, when you say Grindhouse I you, think you of think gore and, and, yeah, yeah. I think of Bloodbath actually <laughs> yeah. I, th- I think Bloodbath is grind, well, grind, that, Grindhouse yeah. <laughs> I think this is the, like the psychologically shining, psychologically yeah. scarring yeah. Yeah. well there's I mean the, the song that stick I think oh, Favourite? Is that the word? I'm not sure that favourite is really... I don't think favourite really applies in in it. But the song, certainly the one that, when it it was over, that I went, oh, Jesus, um, is Less Sex, which (laughs) I was like, my God, this is difficult. This is like Mm. really... And and there's a... I mean, you know, we were going to be... Again, we were going to be talking about The the Wall, and that's an album, to me, that there are points on it where you... You want it to just, to just, just speed up a bit, yeah, 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 to just yeah. start going, yeah. and it is relentless in its like pacing. It's like, nope, we are going to pace. At, we're going at our pace, and it will not stop. And that song, the pace, the, or the lack of pace on it, is so relentless mm-hmm. that it just it feels like you're being dragged down by it. Yeah, and it mm-hmm. is just like unrelenting. It's it's. And it's fucking your eyes start like twitching, going, "Oh my <laughs> yeah. god, help me, please!" It reminds, but it is really, you know, like very, very brilliant. That song reminds me of kind of um, Tender Prey or the Good Son era Nick Cave. In that, yeah. it has this lolloping bass groove, which just goes over and over and over. And you know, the song's called Less Sex, and um, 
the lyrics there's a lyric which is like i led it into my bed i gave it complete control led a long way down like which yeah and it's just kind of like oh, okay well yep yeah. we've all had that with sex haven't we <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> but then it's just punctuated by these bursts of noise mm. you know basically um and in the end the bass groove and the noise like come together to to make something completely different i mean yeah. it's it's buff it's genuinely baffling and uh it's not often that you're kind of lost for words with a record, uh, especially when you do what we're supposed to do for a career. Mm. <laughs> but, I mean, I say lost for words. This, peek behind the curtain, uh, we write notes for, or I, you know, we both write notes for what we're doing, and I have written two pages of notes for this record, which is the most I've ever written for one album. I think I've got to, like one and a bit before right. uh, on but because I was just like and most of it is just like what the fuck is this <laughs> it's <laughs> mental yeah um, then they do a song like, like Flammable Man's two minutes oh, and ten seconds long the Flammable Man is the most like old daughters yeah. Yeah. I think um, yeah. it's still mental but it's but the I most I feel like because of the way the album's laid out it builds you into that as well yeah. like it drops yeah. you into the, um, into Flammable Man it's perfect well yeah, yeah. it comes yeah. after you, Satan you, in the Wake that you were yeah, talking yeah, about yeah, yeah, yeah. you've had three kind of like five to seven minute long songs before that that have really kind of tied up inside your stomach yeah, while you've been yeah. listening yeah. to them and then poof we're going to yeah. do this for two minutes yeah. Yeah. And, and there's the next, two there's the two. next track yeah, yeah. Like, does two. a very yeah, similar yeah, yeah, thing yeah. it's very kind of yeah. driving it's yeah. brilliant yeah. 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 it's really really well arranged yeah. into, into like tracks like I couldn't fault it it's yeah. perfectly well arranged and that's when after, and it's funny actually because it does those two kind of back to back and then you get less sex yeah. Yeah. so it then you're never allowed, you're never, ever, ever allowed to settle. Yeah, you're never allowed mm-hmm. to spy. At you're any never, point. Yeah, 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 I totally agree. Um, it, it's, uh, it's certainly, I mean, I, it's, one of the, it's one of those records where I go, I like this a lot mm-hmm. because I'm a sadist. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, uh, I, I actually wrote in my notes, this album is borderline sadistic at times. Yeah. <laughs> like it's, it's really, I mean, and this is why I say I think it might be the most difficult I, I, I'm not saying that as a criticism per se, um, but I think it might be the most difficult record I've had to release, uh, rec- uh, review this year. Mm. Um, pro- and probably the most difficult record, I've, just in terms of difficult, in terms of getting into it. And I almost feel, I, I, I really want to see this material live. I'm so intrigued. And they are coming over, thank fuck. Very, again. very yeah. excited uh, for that tour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're coming over yeah. um, in February, I think. Um, have either of you been lucky enough to see Daughters Life? No, I haven't yeah. seen them. Apologies to bring this up, Steve. Um, yeah, I no. saw them uh, uh, support uh, the Dylan George Skank Plan at their final ever show in New York. Don't care. <laughs> <laughs> and Don't care. I have to say, they were almost, I thought, as good as Dillinger. I've heard a few people say that. They are fucking amazing live mm. um and seeing this material is going to be i think they played one song from this album at that point i was just like oh, that's weird um but they are like nothing i've ever seen before mm. um I, I it's it's a really tricky one i i have an enormous amount of respect for this album i haven't quite come around to deciding if i like it or not yet i'm not sure yeah. I don't it, know. There's a touch of um, a band like, they're quite different. I mean, well, no, they're very different. But there's a touch of, for me, sort of 
not even thematically, but the overall feeling of the record is similar to something like Eamon Ra, who I just think yeah, are uh-huh. the absolute kind of bleakest of the bleak. Yep. And this is really... And like I say, you know, Throbbing Gristle, Swans, yep. um, Suicide, mm-hmm. that type of thing uh, is not nice to listen to no by any stretch of the imagination and you have to be in definitely, definitely have to be in a sort you know like <laughs> yeah. Scott like but it, it, it reminds me of something like Skullflower who I think are probably the, one of the most difficult bands I've to listen to in the world ever yeah like you yeah. can't just put that on and be like oh yeah great if you like, like if you like a challenge you should if you like a challenge <laughs> then this album is a hell of a challenge for me I think it's worth persevering with. I've listened to it a lot. Mm-hmm. I I think it's really good. What do you think, Matt? Um, I, you, you know, I, I do really love it. I, 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 th- I just think I like anything where, like, no matter what the kind of emotion it for- forces you into is, it, if it does can force you to change your mood, mm-hmm. like, be that for the worse or the better, I think that's something quite special. Mm-hmm. And this is exactly what this album did. Like, yeah. I, I, at times, like, I, I'd kind of come out feeling a bit sick I have to mm-hmm. listen to it and mm-hmm. it's like, oh, I'll put that on again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. This really, record really great. Um, undeniably changes your mood. Like, mm. Undeniably. that I can't argue with that at yeah. all. I, I, I think I have a little bit of an issue, but I, I think this is going to be an issue that I have with a lot of albums now, is I get quite disjointed from the things that have been released as singles to the rest of the album because I've heard them so frequently. Right, right. Mm. I, I don't like the way that albums are generally released now no, and drip is, fed yeah, so like yeah. it's just you kind of get through and they're like oh this is that song I've heard and then back to the album yeah, and that yeah, kind of yeah, disjointed yeah. me a little bit yeah. probably a good thing to be honest because that kind of <laughs> well, stops you from, from going off off the rails or can I ask it, what but, the singles are because I don't even know uh, so uh, Satan in the Wake is one is it that's one of the seven, that was the first seven, one they released seven minute single and classic. I was so excited when I heard that yeah, it's it's what I think it is one of the highlights on the record, definitely personally. Um, do you know the others? Um, Off the, top of your head? the reason they hate me. Oh, is one. really? And that's basically oh. their pop song. That's the pop song on the album. I guess so. Yeah, <laughs> sounds like it sounds a bit like Hawkeyes. I, I thought that one. Ah. The, the vocals are kind of got, like, Hawkeyes <laughs> yeah. thing to it. I was yeah. like, well, yeah, 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 yeah. but but then again, I'd, I'd heard this track already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And the other single is uh, "Long Road No Turns." Uh, that's towards the end of the album. That's the it? second track. Mm. Oh, it's it, you, so you open with the the city, the city, uh, city, city song, song, yeah, city song, um, and then it goes to the two of the the released songs, and then you get most of the album, and then mm. the pop song, mm. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is. Did you, did you know they threw? So they reformed in 2013, and they actually um, tried working on an album, which they ended up throwing out before they did this. Oh, really? Yeah. So. Um, I don't know what that record would have been or what direction it would have gone in or whatever, but they actually threw away an entire album. An entire yeah. album. Well, you know, they obviously had an idea that they wanted to do something very different and yeah. that is definitely what we have got. So definitely what they've done. There yeah. you go. Yeah. Um, that album is by Daughters. It's called You Won't Get What You Want. And if you do get what you want, fuck me, you probably need locking up, to be honest. <laughs> so, like, so it's a very aptly named record. But I have to say, for, for my money, if you do want something which is going to really test you as a listener, um, and that is a perfectly valid thing for a band to do always, yeah. then you should go and listen to it because it, it 
I, I, I think it's really good personally. Can you think of anything off the top of your head that's been tougher this year? Uh, this year? Tougher this year? Um, uh, not really. Mm. Yeah? No, not really. I was struggling. I, I think it's the toughest... Like idols is quite tough in places. Yeah, but there's that's yeah that's a different. But, in but it's quite different yeah, yeah. in places. Not, there's, not for the whole. Actually, game. there's a an album that came out by one of those sort of synthwave scene French guys called Ah oh, Fuck. I can't remember what it's called. Uh, it doesn't matter. But anyway, there, there's a, there, there was one other album by a kind of um, one of those French synthwave bands. I can't remember what it's called, but um, that was that's quite hard work as well mm-hmm. similarly hard work yeah okay like yeah. it was that but none of the sort of fun day glow stuff it yeah. was all really really austere and dark and horrible yeah so um, but I can't remember what it's called but well, yeah that would be the other one on uh, Ipecac Records which yes, is Mike, Mike Patton's, Patton's record label so he's probably jizzing himself he loves it yeah. <laughs> he, he loves making people yeah. feel uncomfortable <laughs> yeah he does so he yeah. probably loves he, it he has <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, right last record I'm going to have to defer a little bit on this one I'm afraid because I've only listened to it once and I think it needs more listens than that it's called Loss and the band are called Pine mm. it is their debut album it's out on Holy Raw so that's mm. a sign of quality if ever you needed yeah. one um, it's their uh, sort of Mancunian post-metal band yeah Mancunian collective yeah. they go yeah. there's like two main members and then they bring in people when they want more musicians and like you know when they i, I think it's kind of, almost like a queens of the stone age type that i mean they don't sound like queens of the stone age at all but in when queens of the stone age was uh, nick and josh and then they just bring people in then you know so it's that kind of thing yeah um, so i've given it one listen so I can't really go in too hard on it because mm-hmm. unfortunately I got to, I came to it late. I've, I'd forgotten that we were doing it this week. <laughs> oh, moving <laughs> out, isn't it? Um, there's some really cool Cult of Luna style no- noise scapes on here, I yeah. think. Um, uh, one of the thing I picked out actually is that sort of mix of Cult of Luna and more classic prog rock um, oh. flourishes. Like there's a whistling flute sound on Distress, which I thought was great, almost kind of early Sid Barrett era Pink Floyd to bring Pink Floyd up for the umpteenth time <laughs> on this podcast. But that's, you know, it was it. But it was really ace. Like, on first listen, it made me go, oh, I want to listen to this more. Uh-huh, yeah. I can't really add much more to it. So off you go, chaps. Well, um, as you said, the record is called Loss and it is basically, um, that is the theme of the entire record. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know if you know this, Matt, but the band asked members of the public to share their experiences I, 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 I read about this it's, right. it's, and you know what it comes across like straight like I, I listened to it without kind of reading that information yeah. and I, I think I probably even just from the compositions like there are kind of bursts of vocal and things like and there are kind of the parts where you get the real kind of uh, like death vocals kind of just coming mm-hmm. out of nowhere and mm-hmm. just what? What's, yeah. what's, what? where? There, there, there are a whole passage there's probably you know 15, 16, 17 minutes where of no vocal whatsoever uh-huh. and then suddenly and then, Joe just goes and, and it's like, brilliant it's fuck. brilliant but yeah. but without that information not knowing that like they've had um, fans and family and friends kind of send yeah. in like, and cathartically kind of release to them like their stories of loss I think you probably could go through each of those eight compositions I agree and be like this is the these are stages of grief yes this is that's exactly what it is basically ah so, is that what it is yes ah. um, so and um, they, they 
you know, so they got all these experiences together and some people, they were inundated with submissions and they were getting stuff that's like, like very difficult to read on a personal level and people, they actually talked to some of the, those people on the phone, uh-huh. recorded, like recorded the conversations in some places and that the, those recordings are kind of put into the record and mm. mangled up and all this yeah. kind of thing. Um, they were sent poems, some people were even sent songs sometimes. So it's a very kind of expansive interesting um work from that point of view and the record is actually split into four parts as well so it's meant to be listened to um on vinyl mm-hmm. and side uh, it's a double lp because it's around 68 minutes this record i yeah, think yeah. maybe 70 minutes um the and if you notice the uh album the song titles so the first the first part is denial detached distress the second part is blanche and blush the third part is unspoken which is almost 19 minutes long and then squat and brilliant and then there's squalor and squander so you can kind of see the pattern that is developing here you know d b U S and I think as I remember I think those I, di- I didn't realise that was the case and you were supposed to kind of listen in, in four parts but you don't I have think, to but you but, can do yeah and that's how the vinyl works yeah I, I, I think they all kind of the tracks on each of those sides do all link into each yes, other and exactly. then stop dead exactly and then it's the next step so exactly. that makes sense okay yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, it's just a, I think this is a beautiful record I fucking love it um I think it's uh, a stunning album and it seeks to express the dis- like distress but find a haunting melancholic beauty in the process of grief. Uh-huh. Yeah. And um, it's aggressively bleak but beautifully so. Um, and I think the there's extra instrumentation. The, the strings and lap steel that are on this record so they are two members of the band for this sort of cycle and um and you know maybe they'll go on to stay for other cycles maybe they won't we'll see how it works out but the strings and the lap steel because they're prominent on every single song it makes them i think when you you i listen to a lot of post-rock and a lot of post-metal because yeah it's my thing and um even i will admit and you'll be happy to hear this steve (laughs) Even I will admit that sometimes you listen to a band and, and because of the lack of vocals, you're like, oh, isn't this post-rock band A? And it's actually post-rock band, uh, band yeah, B or I whatever. Because, you know, they, you sometimes they do all sound quite similar. I think Pine do actually have their own distinct... Yes, there are elements of Cult of Luna, undoubtedly, but I don't think they're ripping off Cult of Luna. No, no, no. I, well, I'm I not th- saying you suggested that, no. but, but, but I think they undoubtedly have their own thing going. And it's wicked for, you know, I'm not massively patriotic or anything, but it's wicked that we've got a band from the UK doing that now. Yeah. I mean, Bosk are another one um, who I think also have their own kind of sound thing going, but there aren't loads of those kind of neurosis, Cult of Luna type mm. things going on in the UK and I think this is one of our brightest hopes well my brightest probably isn't the right word for a record as bleak as this yeah the thing is though I've been talking about a lot of bleak records this this week how this differs to Daughters uh, everything I've said so far probably gives the impression that it's tricky to listen to and the Daughters record is tricky to listen to I don't think there's I think this is I, th- I think you hit the nail on the head with beautiful. Like yeah. it's, there's a lot of beauty to it. Yeah. It's kind of really lush and there's this, this, it is like a, it's a, it's a landscape. Yeah. It's going yeah. on and, and you can't help but kind of fall into it and be yeah. in there. And you, so by, 
by that point it's like you're kind of in a bath of the album. <laughs> That's the, yeah, 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 yeah. You can bathe in it almost, and and the the it washes over you in this beautiful way. And heaviness um, is never sorry, sorry. Melody is never sacrificed for heaviness. Mm. It is really heavy in points. Absolutely. Um, it's really soft and delicate in points. The second song, um, detach. Uh, where Joe just does these really beautiful, almost shoegazy. I don't know how familiar you are with Mogwai, but like when when Stuart from Mogwai, Mogwai yeah. sings, mm-hmm. which is very rarely, but when he does, he does it in a very slow, soft-spoken kind of drawl. Mm. There's just this beautiful way that Joe does that. And then you know, six songs later, he's you can almost hear like bits of his lungs being spittled out onto the <laughs> microphone. Um, and and. I, I just I I love the flow of this album. Mm-hmm. I love um, I I I think th- there are all sorts of <laughs> I've complained a lot, Matt, in the last few weeks about records being too long. Yeah, and it becomes a bit of a you know it's all, it almost it's, feels like it's, it's becoming my thing. I don't think th- this record is sixty eight minutes long. I believe I, th- I think that's about right. I I was going to say I do not think this record is too long. It doesn't outstay its welcome for me at all. I I put it on and I feel like I go into a hypnotic, dreamlike state where time has no meaning, and it, then the record's over. You know, yeah. and it's just like I'm so hypnotized by it. It doesn't, and I, I think because it doesn't rush its ideas and it kind of brings you in slowly I, I i you know i guess i have the the patience for this kind of thing and some not it's not everyone's going to but i think it just has this beautiful flow to it which makes it not sound like a 68 minute record yeah the unspoken song which is uh 19 which minutes is long a 19 minute but it needs to be yes it's supposed exactly. to be nine like it's exactly. it's it, it, it works just as well as as Pink Floyd's Echoes works as like the second half of that album. It's, it's and it's got a lot of that in it as well. Like it's, it, oh, I, I really really like this album. Cool. <laughs> were you you were familiar with Pine before? Uh, I I saw them at Arc Tangent in. 2017 mm-hmm. which was a real bittersweet year at Arc yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, I cried yeah. like three times in one day at Arc yeah, last year yeah. but I mean a lot of a lot of that was kind of there was some amazing music yeah to give context this is this is this the, last the last show. the last yeah, tech yeah, show yeah, yeah, yeah. we yeah. walked yeah. on stage holding hands it was lovely <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I don't know it was, it was a big cathartic it was very cathartic it was like I, I, it was a really good uh, moment and it was my birthday yeah, it was your birthday yes I remember oh yeah I remember this um but um yeah this is a really wonderful um experimental record there's um do you know about the where is it here do you know about the uh shepherd tone did you, you know, know about the shepherd what's this shepherd tone yeah, okay so, bleak, so, bleak. <laughs> <laughs> so this is okay if you're not interested in musical geekery stuff just skip on five minutes but this is basically <laughs> shepherd tone is created it's like it's the last and first note of the record um, but it also goes throughout the album as well so it's it's cyclical in that you know y- y- if you put this album on a loop it would sort of sound the same going in and out yeah um, but the shepherd tone is now I've taken this from Wikipedia because I, I didn't know I didn't know and I but how to explain it. But the shepherd tone is a, a sound consisting of a superposition of uh, sine waves separated by octaves. 
When played with the bass pitch of the tone moving upward or downward, it is referred to as the shepherd scale. This creates the auditory illusion, and this is the important bit, this creates the auditory illusion of a tone that continually ascends or descends in pitch, yet which ultimately seems to get no higher or lower. Wow. So it's just like ultimate anxiety building. Yeah. Because like, you, you're not going anywhere, but you feel like you're about to lift off anywhere. And it's, yeah. it's the, 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 the point of all that technical bullshit is it, it gives this sort of, sort of ominous uh, theme throughout the record because it keeps coming in and coming out. And you, it's almost like a subliminal thing. You wouldn't actually even notice it um, unless someone were to point it out to you, which is exactly what I'm attempting to do at this point, whilst not boring people. Uh, (laughs) um, But there's this, uh, you know, you're probably not even meant to know the tricks of how it's happening, but that that is what gives this sense of an auditory theme throughout the record, this weird cine wave kind of um, uh, shepherd tone coming in and out. And it's it's just a very interesting... you could be the judge of that, but I thought it was quite an interesting uh, sort of audio trick mm. um, that they use. But there's loads of that kind of thing. I mean, these they're really kind of super, and I'm saying this in the nicest way, but super nerdly geeky in, in that respect. But I think it's I cool when bands that. do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's good to, like, it's obviously been a hell of a lot of thought put into it. Exactly. I exactly. wish, of, this is why I've been very, very quiet because I didn't really know, I just put it on. And I was like, well, that's cool. And that sounds a bit like this and mm. that and blah, blah, blah. But I wouldn't have picked that up. And I certainly, thematically, with the stuff you're saying, it didn't initially first time around occur to me. So I'm looking forward to actually, with that information, yeah, yeah, yeah. to going back and listening to it. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. it did make me go, this album's good and I need to listen to it properly. I but think that's it. It's, it's, it's a record that the more you know about it, the more you'll get into it. And yeah. the more you'll get out of it as well. Yeah. Um, mm. I love it. I I think they're one of the best post metal bands in the world, let alone wow, this country. Wow, fucking hell, okay. So there you go, it's a debut album from Pine, it's called Loss, it's out now. Do what I'm going to do, bloody listen to it with all that information <laughs> swirling around your head. Uh, you've been told how to like it now. <laughs> it's not good enough to just enjoy it, you have to know exactly how you're going to enjoy it. Um, Alright, let's throw to our good friend Jamie Lenman, the... Wonderful world of Jamie Lenman. That's what I'm going to start calling it. The world of the <laughs> hey, one that so we can't call it that thing anymore. This is Jamie Lenman. The world according to Jamie Lenman. I'm treating him with the respect that I think he deserves. <laughs> and I didn't realise it was going to be such a problem to call it twat gel. I won't do that anymore. I'm sorry. Here he is talking about madness. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, Renfrey. Hi. Uh, it's Jamie Lenman here, everyone. Let me. T- I just want to say before we start this that I did not agree to twat gel. I don't know if they're still calling it twat gel, but that was not in my script for this. I thought that was just a hilarious joke that they obviously never call this section. I mean, anything twat gel. Come on, you. I mean, what could you call it? You could have, you could have brilliant observations of music. Boom. You could shorten that to boom, or you could have riveting audio discourse. Rad. That's just rad. Basically, anything, anything at all is better than twat gel. But, uh, you know, it ain't my podcast, so if it's got to be twat gel, what am I going to do? I'm very pleased to be here again, though, to talk to you all about another uh, lost album, another forgotten classic, an album that um, not many people know about, hopefully, either an album by a very famous band that just sort of uh, slipped under the paving. Do things slip under pavings? Not so much. Bad metaphor. Or um, it might just be... You know, it might be the most famous album of a band you'd never heard of that would still be pretty obscure, wouldn't it? 
Anyway, and so the album I want to talk about this time, this month, is uh, an album by a band called Madness. And I know <laughs> that Riot Act is a sort of a rock podcast. I dig it. Okay. But I'm known throughout the galaxy for just introducing Madness, the band Madness, where they're not welcome. And this has been known to happen, particularly on DJ nights, when people uh, book me every now and then ill-advisedly to play their thing as a special guest DJ. Special guest DJ, Jamie Lemon, well-renowned DJ Jamie Lemon, and the kids are like, oh, I'm going to get tickets to that. I'm going to get five tickets to that and just still just go on my own. But that's how much I want to go to see renowned DJ Jamie Lemon is that I'll buy five. That's the level when people hear I'm DJing at night. They did this, Kerrang did this a while ago. They asked me to DJ the after show at the Kerrang Awards party. And I was like, can do. So you want a lot of madness in there, a lot of ska, a lot of, a lot of second wave ska. And they were like, no, really, we were hoping you'd play some rock. And I was like, I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. I'll, I'll do some specials. I'll intersperse madness with the specials. They're like, Jamie, oh my God, just play like loads of white zombie. And I was like, hmm, bit of special beat in there. Bit of bit of uh, the selector uh, can do. And so that went really badly for me. I, yeah, I'm just going to play, I play madness all the time. And uh, I can play madness at my own shows just because they're so great. So let's just get that out of the way. You're just going to have to deal because I love madness so much. And you're going to learn about them because madness, I think, are an incredibly uh, both underrated and misunderstood band. I know they're they're rated quite highly and understood quite well. But you're talking to a guy, well, you're not. You're listening to a guy who thinks the Beatles are underrated. That's the depth of my madness. Ha! Of my <laughs> insanity. Oh, dear. So let's just waffle on about that for a bit. So Madness, I'm going to take a sip of my water here. Listen, that's how prepared I am now. I'm a pro now. I've already done one of these. Madness. Crazy band. So they came out of the late 70s, out of the pub rock thing that uh, Ian Drury was doing with uh, Kilburn and the High Roads. Uh, sort of, you know, post-punk by the late 70s. And they just came up like a shot. On this great record label, record label, uh, Two Tone. Their first single was out on Two Tone, and then they signed to Stiff and did a bunch of amazing records. And they really they rode the Two Tone sound that was happening in the late '70s in that post-punk era with their friends, the Specials and the Beat and the Selector and all those fantastic bands. And they sort of transcended it because it was, you know, it was a fashion, it was a craze. And there was a film called Dance Craze actually, which they're in with all those bands. That's fantastic. You should track that down. And sort of coming into the 80s, they, they, they moved more towards pop. And then they became from, you know, one of the frontrunners of this two-tone craze, this sort of ska, um, second wave ska movement that was happening everywhere up and down the country. They sort of got out of that. They moved out of it uh, into just a fantastic pop band. And they started making these brilliant pop records, still with a very uh, sort of English sensibility. They sort of left the ska thing behind a little bit. You don't hear so much of the Jamaican influence as it goes on. Um, but still, a bit of, you know, lots of organ in there, a bit fairground, a bit of music hall, uh, you know, and all these great bands that we talk about. The Beatles and Queen both borrowed a lot from uh, English music hall, Victorian music hall. So maybe that's a key factor. Maybe that's what I'm missing. Anyway, round about 1983, Madness, were, they were just the biggest band in Britain. And that's when all those, a lot of those hits you're hearing must be Love, which is the cover, and House of Fun and Our House. They're all sort of 83 time. That was their zenith. And then 
they said this is just a general history of madness for y'all so you can understand where this is coming i haven't even told you that the album we're looking at right because that's a whole separate that's a story in its own um what happened to madness after 83 was that they they sort of lost popularity a bit even though they were massive their records stopped selling as much the thing is about madness that i don't think a lot of people realize when people think about this band they think of one step beyond they think of baggy trousers right on they think of the nutty boys they think of that dance where they all joined together like a human centipede to i saw suggs actually the lead singer suggs i saw him on celebrity juice the other day and he wouldn't even do the 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 nutty train they said come on suggs do the nutty train and he just climbed over the back of the set and i thought come on mate they're even playing your song you've got to do the nutty train i don't have a signature dance but if i did i would do it if i was on celebrity juice and in fact you can call me up you call me up and i'll do the nutty train anyway uh madness they've got those crazy songs that and everyone thinks about the jolly lads and the funny boys which they were but right from the beginning even right from my girl on the first record my girl's mad at me you know that one that's still quite famous they have an underlying melancholy mad girl is uh, mad girl my girl is such a sad song and really soulful and that was always present in madness and embarrassment on their second record is just devastating it is so sad and so thoughtful and and always you know that's what made them special tempered with this joie de vivre <laughs> and uh, all that bounciness and that life and that invention and that and that youth and that energy was a sort of old before their time thing which is fascinating because these are young guys they taught themselves to play by listening to old um fats domino records they didn't have a penny between them they stole their instruments they really pulled themselves up by their bootstraps uh 18 islet uh oxtail dm bootstraps oxtail oxblood <laughs> you know i'm first wave i'm original skinhead and so um that's why i know all these terms oxtail yeah i have the oxtail uh, please you there sir i have the oxtail boots please yes i'm a skinhead and uh and so they've always had this lovely melancholy but that started to come much more to the fore on particularly on the third record start with the third record and then they really piled it on by that time they made a record called keep moving that is a dour record and i think that's when their popularity started slipping but also because if you're on the top there's nowhere else to go from the top is to sort of go down from the top everyone has their day in the sun most people have their day in the sun and uh, if you're on the top of most of the popper most you got to come down if you're ever the flavor of the month that means you're going to be the the taste of last week that's the new phrase taste of last week and that's what i think what madness became and the longer you're in a band especially if you have all that success oh it got tense and so we're getting towards the end of madness now and in 1986 they did their last record together mad not mad which is one of my favorites and i spoke uh to steve on another podcast uh about the album mad not mad uh which you know the band don't really enjoy and it is very 80s and i think if you heard it you'd have no clue that it was madness cuz cuz gone was all the humpa 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 and the 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 brass is still there and the trumpets are still there but in a different way the production is very slick and it's very much a record that you would expect to come out of 1986 and so then they split up after mad not mad right and 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 if you get their uh best of compilation divine madness uh, which came out in i think it was 1992 and this is when i found madness because i'm um a youngster from the 80s so by the time i was one they'd hit their peak i missed them the first time round i only discovered them 
when Virgin, their record company, put together a bit of a cash grab of all their greatest hits. But you know what? Great record and the hits. They'd never been put together all in one place before, so it's fantastic. And uh, on the video, my sister had the video, and I would watch all these brilliant singles because the videos are funny as well. Madness, they do great videos. They did everything great. They're just the best. And that was the thing that they did so good. Uh, all these fantastic singles and all these fantastic sounds. And at the end of the video, because there's all the songs you know, I just hit my microphone there. There's all the songs you know, House of Fun, whatnot. And then obviously later down the line, they're not so familiar, but they're still great. And as a kid, you know, I just took them all at face value. And I was aware, even as a kid, and maybe nine, ten, watching this, I could see here were some dudes going on a musical journey. And, you know, maybe there's 15, 16 tracks on that. It's a real turnaround. And I was baffled by it because I only knew bands as a fixed thing. You know, the the Beatles, I mean, later on, again, people sort of have a, like a one picture of the Beatles as well. Most bands, people tend to, unless you're really into them, you take away one snapshot of a band at one point in their career. Usually they're most successful, which makes sense. Uh, and so as a kid just discovering music, it was um, interesting to me and fascinating to see a band go through their whole career before my eyes as well because I could see them in the videos and then right at the end of this video there is a song called I Pronounce You and it was clear that even though we'd been going on a journey and they'd been getting older and more adventurous in their music this song I Pronounce You was different was markedly different it sort of followed the general curve of what had been happening but a bit of a jump on and they look older and their hair is slicker and, it, and the video itself is slicker and it's a bit more serious and I thought as a kid not knowing anything and this was before the internet and you could just look stuff up which is going to be a theme of these I think my general ignorance um, I thought what's going on here I knew there was something a bit weird about that last song I pronounce you and I looked at all the Madness albums and it isn't on there and to, but I tell you what a lot of their singles like the Beatles are not on albums it must be loved. I think that's on a record. Uh, House of Fun was just a single. You know, it's great when they do that, when they have these brilliant singles just out on their own there. Wings of a Dove, if you heard that one, that was another one-off single. Anyway, so it was a mystery to me for a long time. And I, I got quite into Madness later in life. Uh, and I got all their records and I still didn't know much about this song I pronounce you off that Madness video. And again, like it's not like I had tons of mates at school who were coming in saying, Oh, have you heard the... Mandas, I'm well good. I've, I've heard their fourth one, uh, Rise and Fall. So I think it's they found their voice. That didn't really happen at my school. It was more people shouting bellend at me and then uh, throwing stones and running away. So I don't have many people I could talk to about it. And I can't remember how I found out about this, but I finally discovered that the song I Pronounce You was the lead single off an album called The Madness. The Madness. By a band called uh, The Madness. And I was like... Is this madness? Is it the same people? Because it's called a different thing and it doesn't have... It's got some of the same people in it. I can see from the video, but it clearly doesn't have others. And man, how weird is that? So confusing. And uh, and so that was... And you couldn't find... I couldn't find it anywhere. I got hold of a hooky copy and I loved it. Which is lucky, isn't it? Because... Imagine if it had been terrible. How much I love all the other Madness records. And then this one is a real stinker. This secret album. It's almost like a secret. And you go on. You used to go on the Madness website. Back in the day when if you wanted to go on a website. You had to write a letter saying. Can I visit the website? And you had to post it to the Queen. And she would 
sign it so you send it back after about six months saying yes you can visit the website and then you'd go to the the post office and you'd ask to use their phone and then you'd have to tap it in to their phone and then you could visit the website at the post office on those it, when we finally got the internet in uh 1973 there was no information on there about it either it was just that no there's only ever been six madness albums one two three four five six you can count them and then they did mad not mad and they split up and no more and there's me saying hey but what about this song i pronounce you in this mystery album they're like no no information incredible so all i had was this set of um 14 songs and they're so weird and it is madness but it isn't madness and <laughs> again i think that's what i said about the president's album and this is gonna, probably going to be a theme of these is that i i'm drawn to the albums where artists i love and i know stretch themselves and put themselves in a slightly different arena and go in search of different sounds and step outside their comfort zones and then usually they revert they retreat back to the comfy cave which is fine because everyone likes the comfy cave but sometimes a, a breath of a breath a breath of the outside fresh air and a breath is uh, very vivifying and enjoyable so that's what this is so this album so now i know all about it and i'm going to stop teasing i'm going to tell you all about it but basically what happened was at the end of mad not mad I think those sessions were pretty tough and they and they went and they tried to do another record after that which is always when you know who you know we had a really horrible time last time let's do it again and see what happens mm, I wonder what's going to happen and I think basically what I can gather is that madness they felt the pressure of being those nutty boys who they were when they were you know they were 18 when they started that band when they got famous on top of the pops a number one record you know or number two whatever uh young kids and you know to be 24 or 20, 25, you can feel, I mean, speaking, I didn't go through what madness has gone through, but it's possible to feel very old at 25. And I'm sure there's people out here that are 25 that feel very old. And it can, I felt like I was ancient when I was 25 because I'd been through the mill, obviously nowhere near as much as madness have, but I felt like an old guy. And I think they just, they wanted to get away from the ho 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 nutty boy baggy trousers sort of personality they'd they'd made for themselves and they'd been stuck with that musically they'd moved away from that for quite a long time and i think the public just took it once that um image is so indelibly stamped on the public consciousness like i said it's hard to move away from so it was i think it was hard for man to be taken seriously and really with the advent of um synthesizers and drum machines and, and digital the way of making music digitally, which not really the advent, you know, we're well into it now in the middle of the 80s. Uh, they, I think uh, certainly the vocalists and the and the instrumentalists wanted to move in that direction, have a slicker, more modern, let's say, sounding album, which sort of edged out the rhythm section of Woody and Bedders, the drummer and the bass player, fantastic guys. I think there was a tension there that they had this sort of analog sound and really what their peers were doing and what they were hearing on the radio was a very digital, sleek, harsh sound, the sort of sound that we associate with 80s pop. And so you can understand that. And so I think eventually what happened was that they parted company with that rhythm section, Woody and Bedders, and, you know, for better or worse, and, and the band is over. Okay, the band is finished. But then you have the four guys. You've got Lee on saxophone, who wrote a lot of the songs. You've got Chris, Chrissy Boy on guitar, another founder member. You've got Suggs, who's the one that everyone knows. He's the voice of Madness, very recognisable. And you've got Chas Smash, uh, Cathal Smith, Smith, Smythe, 
who had been with them, fascinating character. He'd been with the guys in the early days as a roadie. I think he played bass for a bit, but then just hung around as a roadie. Then he was sort of a dancer. He would go to all the group's gigs and dance. And when you hear, hey, you, don't watch that, watch this, at the start of One Step Beyond, that's Chris, that's Chaz Smash uh, doing that. So he was sort of the MC. And then as it, time goes on, he takes root in the band as almost their driving force, which is a fascinating thing to watch happen. And he, you know, he really flourishes. He's a fascinating cat. And he starts playing a bit of trumpet, which really filled out their sound. But he also starts singing backing vocals, which I think sucks as a main singer in a band. If if suddenly the dancer, roadie guy, started like singing all the vocals with me, I might feel a bit proprietorial. But I think it speaks volumes of uh, the dynamic in the band that that was just cool and whatever made them sound great went, which is fantastic. Because uh, he's got his own distinctive sound of singing, uh, Chaz. And... And by the by the third and fourth albums, Chaz is singing a song, you know, like on the Beatles records, they always used to give Ringo one to keep him quiet. He could sing one and maybe George might get two. Uh, you know, Chaz Smash started singing a couple every record. You know, he sang a couple of singles, big singles. And it still sounds like madness because they have that sound. And so he's the fourth member. He's the fourth one left. Betters and Woody are gone. And uh, Mike Barzo, the keyboard player, he left a couple of records earlier, actually, which I think contributed to their more and more melancholy sound. So now we've got a nucleus of four guys and they've got drum machines and they've got, a, you know, digital bass and whatnot. And they're sort of on their own and they're working out what are we going to do? Are we going to carry on as madness because it's sort of split up or are we going to do our own thing? And in, it's this indecision, which I think really uh, wrecked it, wrecked the whole deal, really was a bit of a... Uh, a half birth is that a phrase a half birth i hope not jesus half birth it just didn't come out quite right and so they opted for this halfway house there you go halfway house birth of the madness because there's talk of them coming up with their own names some really bad names the one more the Earthmen. i think the madness is is better than all those but it's still it's a bit of a cop-out and in fact there was a great documentary called young guns about madness it's not quite as in-depth as i'd like but then i'm a nutty madness fan where woody the drummer who'd left was asked how he felt about the four of the other guys getting back together and doing a record basically the next year under the name the madness and he sounds a bit cross about it and says yeah i thought it was a cop-out and let's face it it is it is a cop-out especially if you're trying to get away from madness which had suddenly become a little bit unfashionable so they made this record with the four of them and a couple of other you know good uh clientele they've got i didn't realize until i started researching this that hugh padgham hugh padgham who produced um the later the sort of the middle genesis albums and uh phil collins's solo records got that amazing sound you know he invented the gated reverb sound of the 80s that snare incredible on the you know i can feel it coming in the air with the gorilla and the chocolate he did that so he's produced a lot of these tracks which is great and they've got dick cuthel who played trumpet on uh all the special stuff great player he's playing on this so they've got a lot of really good personnel they've got steve naive who played with uh, elvis costello on keys so they've got they've got the, the pals in they've really brought around the cavalry and they've managed somehow to put together a really good album and if you played it to anyone they would not guess in a million years that it was madness because it doesn't sound it doesn't sound anything like baggy trousers certainly if you've gone through and you've got all the way through to mad not mad in 1986 and then you go to this you can definitely see a through line but it's a bit of a jump even then it's very digital and it's quite harsh and you know there's a lot thrown at it and straight away you know the first the first singer on the first track 
it's Chaz, it's Chaz Smash. So he's the first voice you hear. You don't hear Suggs's reassuring, you know, it's madness voice. Because as soon as you hear Suggs, it sounds like madness, even on his solo records. He's got such a great voice. No, the first person you hear is Chaz singing these songs. So we come in with the Nail Down the Days, which is quite aggressive, quite fast-paced, but it's a great production. And then you've got, this is so weird, the next track is What's That, which is again sung by Chaz. So we're two songs in and we can't really hear Madness because it's Chaz singing. And What's That is this weird sort of laid-back jazz number. And believe it or not, this was the single they put out to try and save the record after I now pronounce you didn't do very well. And you just think, record labels, what are you what are you thinking? And I know a few record labels, and they're good people, but sometimes they are nutty muck, nutty nuts. And who would ever, unless they were trying to bury the band, in which case, good plan, Virgin, because this is a terrible choice for a single. I can't imagine in what dimension is this a good single. Perfectly, perfectly lovely song, but not a single, guys. And then the third track is I Pronounce You, which I think is actually a really good single big chorus you can hear Sug singing there's a, a little bit of that madness magic there it's slightly cooler than it has been previously they're a little bit aloof and they look a bit aloof in the video but it you know I can't work out how that didn't do well unless you know by this time really madness would just not they were the taste of last week that's what they in fact that's what the DJ said they said no Matt no that sounds like madness that's the taste of last week so I think that really did for him which is a shame so they didn't really get uh, past I Pronounce You. Then we've got O, which is a bit sort of fiddly and weird, and that's Chaz singing again. And you have Wonder, which is a little, it's got a sort of a nutty Mike Barzo madness piano solo. It sounds pretty madness. You've got, a, you've got Song in Red, which is really downbeat about um, Chaz's cousin having died, I think. It's, it's one of those songs where it's sort of deceptively jolly. It sounds jolly, and then you realize what he's singing about, and you go, hmm. And then in the middle... You've got this sort of, well, towards the end, actually, you've got this sort of triumvirate of songs sung by thug, uh, sung by thugs. Thugs, just thugs coming in. Oh, bollocks. No, they don't. It's Suggs. He sings these three. And that's when you get three in a row and you think, okay, this is a sound I know. He's just got such a comfy, recognizable voice. So to hear him sing these three songs, you think, okay. And you can find your feet. And they're great songs. Nightmare, Nightmare is a really good sort of reggae single. That would have made a great single. Surely put that one out. And it's Sug singing it, you know? And then Thunder and Lightning, nice and upbeat again. Sug singing on that. Beat the Bride, another good reggae number. They actually did, uh, they performed these two live. They did I Pronounce You and they did Beat the Bride on Saturday Night Live with Josie Darby. There's a weird clip on YouTube of them playing it. The only, the only footage there is of this bizarre incarnation of madness performing live. And they do a good job. And then um, you've got Gabriel's Horn, which is the 10th track which is very dramatic and a very big production. And again, it's Chaz singing. And you really, that's the end of the album because the original album was 10 tracks and you sort of feel like that sounds, this sounds like the end of the album. It sounds like an, a, a track to close a record, make a good package. And then on the CD, there's four extra tracks, which is weird when they do this. I don't know how you guys feel about this. When, when you have an album that comes out and it's, you know, it's 10 or 12 tracks and it has a start, a middle and an end like a good record should. And then maybe there was a single that came out afterwards. I don't know what kind of ball bag would do that. But then they, they'll do a reissue of the record with the single added on, which is cool. But it only sort of makes sense if you're listening, if you really treat an album as a group of songs, as, as like a, a collection of songs. Like it doesn't matter how many songs there are. It doesn't have a narrative arc, whatever. It's just some pop songs. Fine. But if it's a record with a shape, it feels weird to just bung 
some more ones on the end, especially if, like in this instance, they're, they're B-sides that came out on the singles. They're perfectly good songs, but they're just sort of shoved on the end. Uh, there's the 11th hour, which is sort of a slinky, like, lounge number. There's Be Good Boy, which really sounds like it was bolted together out of uh, about eight different songs, but it's pretty good. Flashings is this sort of bizarre, like, sexy dub. <laughs> I'm not sure what's happening. And then you got 4BF, which stands for For Brian Ferry, which is an interesting point because it's a song all about Brian Ferry from Roxy Music and how much they all admire him. And if you look at Suggs's evolution as a singer, he, you know, he's my favorite type of singer. He's not actually a singer. He's just their mate who knew the words. He's the dude that, that can be least not bothered to sing. He's the one that goes, oh, fair enough. Maybe he even owned his own microphone. We all know that kid, right? And so he's the singer, not because he's a good singer, just because he's the one that could be bothered to do it. And that's the kind of singer I really love. And then sort of in the middle of their career, you can hear Suggs sort of start to get ideas about, oh, no, I'm a singer. And he starts to get uh, thoughts about what kind of a singer he might like to be. And he moves away from this uh, very naturalistic uh, style that we can hear on their first records and sort of goes a little bit like that, a little bit Bowie and a little bit Brian Ferry. If you if you hear what he's doing on those later Madness records and indeed on this, it is a bit of a, Bri- a Brian Ferry. Those influences he's wearing them very much on his sleeve, on his on the back of his jacket, on all down his legs. He's wearing those influences everywhere in his ear. He just wears them wherever. Uh, so that's funny that they got for Brian Ferry. So yeah, I mean four tracks at the end. Why not? As a collection of songs, it works. I don't think there's a duff one in it, and it sort of is madness, but it isn't madness. And and therefore, you know, that title, The Madness, is pretty apt. And there's another thing I just want to talk about um, before we round off this uh, increasingly incoherent ramble. What is it called? Boom or Rad, whatever, about The Madness by The Madness is the album artwork. As someone who is also an illustrator, and I've done a lot of album artwork for different people and for my own records, it's very important to me. When I was growing up, I would love to pick up records where I knew that someone in the band had done the artwork that was would make me the most exciting white zombies records were always great for that because they were full of cartoons that rob zombie had done and weird designs and clip art and decoupage and whatever that he'd put together i love that that extra layer to it you know they haven't just done the music they thought about a whole concept and and sometimes they've done it themselves that's great and on this record although they didn't do it themselves it's clear that they they put a lot of thought into. they've actually got dave gibbons who's a uk comics legend i don't know if you know who dave gibbons is but he drew as well as drawing the first several issues of Doctor Who magazine, who I also work for, I always bring it back to me. I just got a lot of fingers and a lot of pies. I, that's how I, why I have trouble carrying stuff without dropping it, because I've got the pies on the end of my fingers. Uh, they call me Jimmy Purple Thumb. They don't. But if, you know, if anyone knew, they would. And now you can in the street. What? Uh, and Dave Gibbons, he also did Watchmen. He drew Watchmen, which is obviously, you know, it's the graphic novel or one of. The seminal graphic novel, it's fantastic. If you haven't read it, you need to read Watchmen. And the movie's pretty good as well. But, uh, you know, it's best to go for the source material. So he drew that. So he's a UK comics legend. And they got him involved to design the artwork. And he, again, isn't this funny? I've only just realized this talking to you guys about it. But here's, here's an analog man who has spent his whole career doing ink and pencil on paper. You know, uh, you know old-fashioned illustration. And he realizes that what this record needs is something sharper and digital and computer generated because, hey, guys, we're in the middle of the 80s now. Everyone's got a computer the size of a fridge. 
It's the Computer Times. And he says, talking about it, that he enlisted the help of his friend, uh, the help of his fiend, just like a little demon that follows him around. Come on, Ryan Hughes, who um, helped him to digitize his artwork. So Dave Gibbons came up with the design for the album cover and for the sleeve. And then Ryan Hughes made it so it was crisp and digital. How fantastic. What an amazing... I only just realized that's a metaphor for the record, isn't it? Because there's Madness, who were an analog band. You know, all like brass section, drums, bass, you know, like like bands should be. <laughs> and then they, they wanted to move into this digital domain. And the artwork is doing the same thing. Another amazing artist from the 70s of Britain who's come forward into the 80s. I just blown my own mind, everyone. You are learning a lot here. So the artwork is fantastic because what he's done is he's created a different sort of logo icon for each of the seven songs for the cover of the record which is probably the weakest illustration actually but it needs to be the simplest and then every single song even the four b-sides on the back here i'm looking at the cd uh because my wife eventually found me a copy of the cd it's tricky to find and i was so happy when i got it and i could look at all the artwork and really rub my face in it like the dirty pillow from last time every single song has its own unique logo artwork and it's always a sort of a face you can see these online it's a face sort of made up of circles and notes, you know, um, uh, roundly CDs and vinyls, vinyl discs. You could say those circles are and the notes and then other, you know, icons say 11th hour. There's a lot of 11th, 11s there and uh, clock faces and, you know, song in red. It's, he's got the the double crotchet for the song bit and they all make up faces and. Uh, and it's just, it's so well done and so well thought out. And it's a cry and shame that they're only very small on the back here. And I wish in the inlay you had a page for each so you could really study them. But I just think that depth to go into, this is really the whole package. It's so rich to have an individual artwork for each song that represents it. And all under this same umbrella, they're all of a kind. They're, they don't, you know, go off in weird directions to be their own thing. They're all under the same sort of uniform look. And it's so stylish and so 80s. And really, it's the perfect record for the 80s. But it had that note of indecision about it. The, is it the madness? Is it not? Who are we? And again, similarly to the record I spoke about last time, Presidents Freaked Out This More, the band have sort of disowned it. It's like it didn't happen for them. It, there's very scant information on their personal site about it. They did a series of reissues about 10 years ago and uh, where they brought out each individual album as they came along with stacks of extras, B-sides, demos, live stuff, fantastic. Each, you know, two or three disc set of all these records. I bought them all and really yummed them up and they were fantastic. And there was a little booklet in the back of each of them that said, come in, come in soon. Here's the other ones we're going to do. And The Madness was on that little page. And I thought, oh my God, what treats are we going to hear when they bring out the The Madness Special Edition with all the the bonus discs of of the demos and what could have been because I'm so fascinated by this period and it didn't never appear they never did it and I even I mean this is how nerdy I am I sent a lot of emails and I even wrote to the the company that was doing the special editions and was like hey when you bringing out the the madness special edition I'm waiting here for it and they said oh we don't know we don't own that one so maybe it's the rights thing and I saw some people asking online because the madness used to have like an open forum where I remember the band would answer your questions. And I think someone said, when's the The Madness album? And they got short shrift. Not long shrift, not medium shrift, short shrift. And uh, Chrissy Boy, I think, was like, look, I feel like that's the question of this year. Everyone's just asking about that album. And you think, yeah, well, give us the answers and then we'll stop asking Chrissy Boy. No, no info. So all we've got 
is this little CD that came out in 1988. That's all it is. No one can really tell you anything about it. The Wikipedia page, which I've plundered, uh, is actually pretty good. But uh, as far as I can tell, it just didn't work for them. And they never play it live. I mean, it'd be a bit orcs, wouldn't it? A bit awkward. Have you seen that gif, that meme, Hawkwood? That's from about 10 years ago. That's how up-to-date I am, Hawkwood. And uh, to play songs from the bit of the band that, that most of them weren't in, that would be bad, wouldn't it, if uh, if you did that? Hey, let's play this one. You guys go over there and just us for all do this. But they did. Here's a weird thing. Here's a little mystery. Because in 1998, they brought out another greatest hits collection called uh Monty Madness or something another they've had about 70 greatest hits they've had more greatest hits than albums i remember when all saints brought out greatest hits they'd only had two albums what's going on there all saints that's completely mad anyway and uh Samantha's brought out another greatest hits in like 98 when they weren't really doing much and the little logo of them was the outline of seven people because there's seven people in madness but only four of them were bolded they had a bold outline so it was like three of them were sort of thinly outlined and just the four in the middle were boldly outlined. And I thought, hmm, in the same way that UFO spotters do about, you know, patterns of dust on their pants. They think, oh, that's a message from Jesus uh, in his spaceship. I thought, oh, is that maybe alluding to where they left the band because there was only four left? Why would they do that? It doesn't even look good as a design. Why would they outline just the four? I don't know. Anyway, we'll never know. Because no one ever asks them, apart from that one time on the internet, and he got the shrift, and uh, I'd never met him. So you can bet that will be the top of my question list. I'd take around a question list with me, uh, th- and that's on the top of it. What's the deal with the Madness album? But I might get a punch in the gob. I think they're a little bit sensitive about it. So you never hear them play it live, and it, the only place it exists really is in my house. So if you want to hear it, you basically got to come to my house, and I ain't telling you where I live, so you haven't got to hope. No, there's, there's places you can hear it. And uh, I would encourage you to do so, because regardless of whether or not you like Madness, it's just a fascinating, it's a good record anyway. And I think probably when Madness brought it out, they'd probably prefer that you hadn't heard Madness. (laughs) So check out The Madness by The Madness, a bizarre album by a band that you think you know, but you sort of don't. And uh, then they just disappeared into the ether. And then obviously they came back. Uh, with a couple of good, uh, more good records, Madness. And I could just talk for hours about Madness in general. Oh, my God. And if I had gone to university, they would definitely be the degree that I would done, the degree in Madness, because you can get degrees in anything else. Why can't I get a degree in Madness? I'm going to get... So I'm off to get my diploma, and you guys just have a lovely time, and I'm sorry for overtaking so much of your podcast. That's just how much I love Madness. And I'll be back next time to whiffle on about some other record... And just have a just have a fantastic day. Okay, bye now. Love you. Bye. All right, there you go. That was Mr. Jamie Lenman coming on and talking to you about Scar, the Godfathers of Scar, Madness, the first band. <laughs> Scar, the Godfathers of Scar. <laughs> yeah, Madness, the Godfathers of Scar. I should say. Um, it's been a long show. It has been a pretty long show. Yeah, but a good show again, nonetheless. And that's where we're going to leave it. Shout out, like I say, Musicism. Go over there and um, sign up for your courses, Musicism.net. Put Riot in the checkout in capital letters, and you can get twenty five percent off. Matt. Hey. Well, thanks for coming in, buddy. Thank you. Man. It's been really oh, nice. Thanks for having me. It's been really nice. You're out on tour, aren't you? I'm out on tour, uh, 
now. Is it now? No, no it's, in five it's days. In five days. To, obviously not now. <laughs> yeah. Obviously it's not now. Matt's not used to realising <laughs> that we're recording in the past. I feel like that might be a running the theme. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, you know, yeah so. I was really surprised when I didn't even see Jamie Lenman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, here I am, like, 35, 40 minutes later. Like, I know so much more about madness. Yeah. It's crazy how he does that. I know. <laughs> uh, it's like he it didn't, it's like me with the tool thing, like put, cryogenically free me wake me up that's what i'm gonna do i would uh, love to think that um, people think that jamie comes in here and we're just very quiet whilst yeah. he records we're his world according to jamie Lennon. Lennon. yeah and then uh, yeah so me. you how you cat are out on tour um where can people find the dates matt can uh, so, plug? Uh, dates are over on haggardcat.com have a nice snazzy modern day website these days yeah. i've just noticed your website yeah. it's uh it's really it's really snazzy it works doesn't yeah, it? yeah it's nice. i did that <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> it's really nice yeah. thank you very I much see, i assume someone that, I, I, it's someone so that nice. knew what they were doing I, well, no, this say, idiot it's so this nice idiot. i assumed earache did it but no <laughs> so they couldn't do something like that with that much class and decorum <laughs> Sorry, well anyway right. look Thank you Not only do you money. make a mean website, Matt, you write, you pen a right, mean, uh, you right, pen a mean, riff. mean riff as well. <laughs> I'm going to say this right now in front of your face. Uh, I'm, you know, I've praised you a lot over the years, but Hagger Cat is, if you've not seen Hagger Cat live, it's one of the most fun experiences. Yeah, it's you great. Can have There's live. some it's fucking really wonderful. awesome, awesome, awesome guitar riffs on that. Yeah, record. and seeing the chemistry between yourself and Tom yeah. and just the amount of fun that you're having, it, it's, it rubs off on you and mm. it's, it's really wonderful. I think you should bring the whiskey back to the shows. Um, <laughs> Uh, but thank do, you do very you know much for story, that chat Steve, you drink really a bottle of whiskey drink a, we, we have a half hour set you have a whole bottle of whiskey half an hour to finish the whiskey <laughs> go see what happens <laughs> fuck me uh, it was <laughs> awful it was we did with Woodford Reserve which I believe is uh 45% Fucking those, those, those were how you used to play every Haggard we did this every show we didn't used to play very often it's, it was always very much a side project but I'm glad that the amount of fun that we have comes over because that's exactly what this band is supposed yeah, to be about yeah, yeah, good it's yeah, about yeah. making fun music and enjoying making that fun music yeah. right well there are two tea cakes left uh, or it orange tea cake so it's going to be a race for them we'll be back next week we're going to be talking about new albums from sick of it all yes um, <laughs> spoiler alert it's good Tosca that's good as well yeah. The Ocean I haven't heard that and hopefully fingers crossed we might get the Prodigy album which would be good wouldn't that'd it that'd be lovely be really yeah. really good yeah. Um, so yeah so we'll see you next week thanks again Matt let's take Thank our tops Matt. off now shall we Yay. off they come <laughs>